Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. You don't get it, do you, Finch? And my job, what I'm paid to do, you're about as mysterious to me as a block toilet is to a fucking plumber. Reasons for doing what you did? Who gives a podcast? <laughs> is it better or worse than your Goldblum? Uh, well, uh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's better. It's the, the, answer is better. It's the answer is better. The answer is better. I just proved it was better. Hi, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. I'm drinking a juice. I'm drinking a, a vitamin water, and mm. this is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yes. We are interested in filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career, and then given a series of blank checks to make whatever they want, their own crazy passion projects, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce. Baby. Well done. Just booking it. This is on the films of Christopher Nolan. Yes. That's who we're covering right now. Old Chris, Chris Nolan. Lightning, Chris, Chris. He has we a don't nickname? have a nickname yet. We'll come up with like one. Like you worked with Wally Fister. Like was he ever like, ah, Chrissy, you know, like, you know. Old yeah, he always Knowles. called him Chrissy. <laughs> um, uh, the, the podcast miniseries is called The Pod Knight Casts. Yeah, great title. Who is the Pod Knight? We will solve that by the end <laughs> yeah, sure. of this miniseries. That's, our overarching That's the lingering question. mystery. We're getting back to... The Phantom Podcast days where it's a mystery show. Yeah. An investigation. Uh, Everybody's got a box. See, that was my following reference for you. Great. Everyone's loving this. Uh, And uh, today we're talking about the movie Insomnia. Yeah. Our guest hasn't talked yet, but I want him to talk before we introduce him. That's like, you know. I know. I was was waiting for an introduction. No, no, no. no, Okay, sorry. No, no. no. (laughs) No, I made him feel uncomfortable. I was just following the sort of, you know, protocol and and etiquette. No, I don't like like the etiquette. We do things like Christopher Nolan here, baby. We do them out of order sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. That's a good good way to explain why I'm talking. (laughs) Exactly. We do them out of order, but then we explain why. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Do you want to say some more stuff or should we introduce? I mean, now Let's I introduce feel our like, guest. Okay. We've got a great guest. We've said yes. A fan of the show. Fan of the show. Uh, a mutual friend of ours reached out and said, hey, would you want to have him on the podcast? And I said, geez, Louise, yes. And I said, no way. And then no. we fought. <laughs> no. And then we agreed. We're very excited to have you. Uh, he's, he's a writer and director. Films like The Color Wheel and Listen nope. Up, Philip. So good. And uh, your new movie, Golden Exits. Yeah. Coming out this year. Uh, probably. Awesome. Fingers crossed. Uh, Alex Ross Perry is here with us hey, in Alex. the studio. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. I'm a huge fan. And when uh, our mutual friend publicist said, uh, you know, you, I turned down a lot of things. I don't feel like doing interviews and, and stuff. And I said, I really want to do this. He said, well, you, know, you don't talk about yourself. You don't promote anything. And I was like, yeah, that's, I know. <laughs> that's and I don't want that at all. I just want to sort of drop in on the conversation. I um, was mu- a little confused by that, but here we are. Sure. Does sure. our mutual friend want to be named or should I keep him nameless? I just want to, I just heard a story about him oh, uh, that it, I want to share. Is it the kind of story that's better to share if we don't name him? No, no, it's fine either way. It's I just, think you said Rob Shear, right? No, well, I I, oh, okay. I only met Rob recently, but it's through Adam Kirsch at Brigade who. Okay, that's right, that's right. That's gotcha. right. Well, okay. our mutual friend, Pilot Birowit, uh-huh. who's on our War Horse episode, yeah. uh, walked into a screening and Rob Shear apparently just yelled, I want to fuck that horse. <laughs> and Pilot was like, uh, he's like, I, I love, I love playing Jack. You know, yeah. he had to anyway. Right. Pilot had to be reminded of a conversation she had had six mm. months earlier. Anyway, 
Alex. I'm honored to be here, and I thank everyone for helping set it up. Honored to have you here. Now, we got to just address immediately the elephant in the room. What's that? You used to be a rival of ours at Videology Trivia, did you not? You would go to Videology Trivia That's sometimes. true, yes. Yes. Like, what was you know, it's the sort of called? thing that slowly gets sussed out listening to a lot of right. check episodes. Mm-hmm. We were a La Ventura pet detective. Right, that was, right. Right. That was a good one. You know, like a routine, like, top three placing. Oh, yeah, no, you were the ones I feel like we feared the most. Interesting. Like, yeah, I feel week. like you were one of the Camp Mohawks when we first started going. Because when David and I started going, we started going with Pilot Chi at a team. Very slowly, the rest of that team stopped showing up because they were like, these guys well, aren't immediately. fun. Immediately. It was just us two immediately. Yeah. Right. So for a long time, it was just the two of us playing oh, against right. like five, six-person teams. And we'd look at that scoreboard and we'd be like, someday we're going to be we'll like La Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah, it was like a six-month run that we did before everybody got too busy. Yeah, well, that's sort of what us. It gets tiring. It gets tiring and also the... You know, starts at like eight, but someone has to get there at six. Oh, yeah, man. And um, don't the, I know it? The short straw of it sort of dragged out, but um, the sort of format of that and the and what what I love about the show is the same kind of deep uh, consideration and appreciation of of movie ephemera. Well, I feel like the the main thing that drew me to that trivia night was the feeling of like, oh, I'm no longer the person in the room who thinks about this stuff more than anyone else. Yeah. You know, there was like a kind of flat playing field of like all of us spend too much time thinking about all of these details and not just in like the basic kind of like movie nerd trivia way that people consider. But like, I think we've referenced it before, but there was that audio round that was just like movie studio fan. I was just about to ask studio if you were there for that. Because right. that oh, I think yeah. about that all the time. All the time. And like everyone in this room was like, this is something I've wanted to be tested on my entire life. <laughs> that was one of the most beautiful things. It was everyone incredible. just had their eyes closed yeah, looking right. up. At the ceiling, and you like suddenly you don't understand what you're like. Suddenly you can't figure out if it's this or right. that. And there was, did they include the Paramount DVD only? It was the home video. I think it was even the VHS. Right, 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 right. Yes. right. Because Paramount used to not have music in their fanfare. Because I remember us being like, oh yeah, no, there is a Paramount fanfare. Like right. you know, yeah. But it was like the kind of fanfare you'd only know if you were big on into like Paramount VHSs in the '90s. Well, I also want to mention you're you're a blanky nominee, or at least your films are blanky nominees. I definitely nominated Queen of Earth for a couple blankies. I don't know if you've listened to the blanky awards. I haven't listened to the awards episodes just because saying, I just get, get so into the I get so into the miniseries. Yeah, right, no, if, no, I done, sure. if I done yeah. if I done if I knew that I would have been more self-conscious. Yeah, uh, I believe it was the year before our first blankies, but but uh, Jonathan Price, best supporting actor. Oh, for sure. Oh, would yeah. have been would have been a Griffey nominee for me. Cool. He's he's my winner. Really? Yeah, him and Moss, both my winners that year. Interesting. Well, I'll go I back and listen movie. to that, and yeah. I'll feel glad that I didn't know that before I came. <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I take no credit for how good Jonathan Price or, or Moss is in that movie. There's so much fun. What well, a, what a hero he is. Hey, he is a hero. You want you want to watch me get things on track? Go right ahead. He's, so, he's smiling like a fucking idiot. Here, here's a thing Sorry, I was, was thinking too, about. Too venomous. <laughs> here's a thing I was thinking about while watching Insomnia last night, which sure. I think applies to you too. That like adage that uh, like like seventy percent of the job is casting. Yeah, I, the percentage changes. I feel like depending on who recites it. Uh-huh. But the idea that like you know so much of a director's job is like hiring the right actors, you know, and I feel like you're someone who has very good taste in actors. Like when I see your movies. You can tell what kind of movie fan you are by who you cast in roles. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's all. I remember Tarantino had some line once talking about Jackie Brown, which is something I hope we can talk about later in reference to bizarre third films that directors made. About. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, he says I, there's some you know quote at the time where he said he only wanted to work with actors that were in movies made by his favorite filmmakers. So he yeah. was like De Niro was in Greetings and Hi Mom and obviously many other great movies, but I wanted to work with him because of how much I loved De Palma. 
and so on and so forth. And I always was like, yeah, you should just only work with actors that have worked with directors that you think are the best. Well, and there's also this element, too, of, like, I feel like a lot of times, like, every year at Sundance, there's this thing that annoys me where you'll see, like, movies starring the people who were in the breakout Sundance movie from two years earlier. Right. And this sense of, like, you know, someone went to Sundance, and they were there as a filmmaker trying to get their first movie off the ground, and they see, like, Obvious Child, and then they're like, oh, Jenny Slate, and then they cast Jenny Slate in their movie because they saw someone else in a similar type of movie, like, make, you know? Yeah, Make sure. it. And uh, I feel like when I always get excited is when I see a director who I feel like has a sense of curation of like they're hiring like actors that they love, that they've had their eye on for a long time, whether it's because they're in some of their favorite movies or worked with their favorite directors. Yeah. And I feel like to veer back into real, I feel like Nolan is really good at that. So good at that. And you've always felt like from the eight films in a row he's made with Michael Caine and his respect for that. And sort of post this movie, the company he's more or less put together of right. a, a big rotating assortment of actors. And Dunkirk certainly seems to take that to a whole new level. For sure. But this movie seems like to transition into casting, like <clears throat> like this was a crazy cast. This was like right. three actors pretty much in their prime. And watching it last night, I just remembered how big of a deal it seemed to be like, oh, Robin Williams just won an Oscar a few years ago. Yeah. Hilary Swank yeah. had just won an Oscar. Yeah. And then there's like this legend in the movie and it was just like, oh, this has to be a good movie because this is a great cast. You know, Insomnia had, it was the Pacino's first movie in basically three years. Basically his first movie since, since Any it, Given Sunday. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I, I didn't make, I didn't look anything up that I'm curious about in hopes that it would stimulate more conversation. <laughs> he, because no, I was wondering if this was like the last kind of like obviously serious, like, I agree. Did you have any reason at, this time to not take him seriously? Had he not done any? Because 99 well, was Insider any given Sunday. Right? Yeah, we'll go, we'll I really want to talk about Pacino because I do feel like this is a big Pacino movie as yeah. well as it is, you know, the things we want to talk about. I think about. this was the last moment where he was kind of like a capital A, a great bit. actor. Well, yeah. I want to talk. Should we just talk? Because like, like, look. Let's talk I mean, about I feel like talk after Sin of a yeah. Woman, the the hit on him does become a little bit, you know, in the like, because he took that long break between here, I've got it, you know, What's Revolution after, and right, Sea of Love. Right. And then, you know, he comes back and everyone's like, oh, he's gotten real big, you know, and then yeah. he, he's real big. Like, I like him in these movies. In The Insider, he's sure. real big. He yells a lot in The Insider. Even though he was big, though, like, he did have this kind of respect. No, no, absolutely. And, and no, he worked and, on serious movies. That's another thing. He worked on serious movies. He's good in Donnie Brasco. He's yeah. good in Carlito's Way, obviously, right. is uh, the, is which the ends run, the same way as this movie. Is it Donnie Brasco, Any Given Sunday, Insider? Is there anything? What is that? like? Uh, so, yeah, if you want me to run down, like... Devil's Advocate, too, right? Oh, that's, yeah, I Devil, think that's so the same like, year. After yeah. Sin of a Woman, he wins his Oscar, right? right. So, you know, Carlito's Way, 93. And he should have won for Dick Tracy, but, you know. He was overdue and threw uh, the makeup. Two, two bits in 95. Never. It's a James Foley movie I've never heard okay. of. Okay. Uh, uh, which he plays Grandpa. I don't know if that's... Uh, <laughs> Heat. City Hall in 96. The kind of movie you really don't make anymore yeah. about municipal parking yeah. scandals. <laughs> starring Al Pacino and John Cusack. Then you got Donnie Brasco, uh, which he's great in, but Depp definitely overshadows him. Like, Pacino's kind of doing really his thing. Depp's really good in that yeah. movie. Devil's Advocate, he's... You know, he's very big. Is that 97 by 97. now? But that's kind of, that's the kind of best slice of Big Pacino. For I would sure. Argue. I mean, well, the movie's, the movie's not trying to be too serious. Right? And he's so playing the devil. So he is playing the devil. And he's fun. And he's in called that. John Milton. Like it, fit, it fits the tone of the film and he's enjoyable to watch. That's like yeah. the ideal Pacino ham. And then that's not, like more like a Nicholson Joker where it's just like, right. Yeah. yeah. Just You're like, I'm like, here to see this. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm, I'm riffing. It's a jazz set. It's not like, wow, this 
performance is pretty right, right. <laughs> pretty strange in this movie about the devil running a law firm. It is weird that like early 70s Pacino was like his thing so he was muted. noted for was that he was quiet. You see like Scarecrow or whatever. Yeah. He's like mumbling like and not talking to anyone. And he had this very high pitched voice. I mean like most Sislak is based on Pacino. Yeah. Hank Azaria said. So that like early like yeah come on you know. What um, and then 99 just to continue running this down. Yeah. He's got the insider right. and any given Sunday. Any given Sunday again he's very there's a lot of screaming. That's a loud movie. Uh, yeah. In every way, editing wise, it's a loud movie, you know, like, you know, music wise, it's a loud movie. There is something interesting, though, that like certainly with both The Insider and Donnie Brasco, there's a bit of a like a handoff. Right. Thing this is of, what like, I was about to say. He's Pacino's, getting overshadowed he's again. He's letting younger stars by this transformation them. performance, like right. both Depp and Crow. It's like, oh, they look different. Right. Or, you know, oh, look, look at them act. And Pacino's like, there to give the weight and he gets first right. billing. But it's really like, oh, but look at this guy. He also still seems up until this point, like. Very director centric. Very like from much Carlito's so. way with another De Palma, and then working with Michael Mann a couple times. Yeah, and Oliver Stone. Like he seems to actually care about who's making his movies. Because for up, sure, up that's yes, absolutely. This, although I would imagine he was probably involved with this movie. Yes, before anybody else. Because even like Devil's probably, Advocate yeah. is Taylor Hackford, who sucks, but he's like respected. No, but he's yeah, you know, uh, he's like a respected hack. Yeah, uh, from, I, I from, should, from Blood In, Blood Out. I right. should mention right, also, right, exactly. uh, he also directs Looking for Richard in 96, which is a right. nice little movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and he directs Chinese Coffee in 2000, which I've certainly never seen. Has nope. anyone ever seen None that? of those were available until they all came out in a box set there, like six or seven years ago. There was ago. a Pacino the, collection. The Pacino People were like, collection. oh, what's going to be in this Pacino collection? Dog Day After... An- oh, no, it's... <laughs> Four movies he directed Chinese about coffee. acting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and then he takes a little break, and then... Uh, Insomnia, and yeah. in the same year he had Simone, mm-hmm. right. uh, the Andrew Nichol movie, which was like hyped. I remember that was like people were like, "This is an Oscar play and expensive." And he got like fifteen million dollars for that movie. That was like a big salary, like payday for him. And then the next year he's in The Recruit, right? And then Gili, that in two thousand three, yeah. But also Angels in America, which he is very big in, but very good, and he wins an Emmy. Well, that's the transition. Post Insomnia, he never gives a good performance. In a theatrical in a movie. movie again, <laughs> right? It's just HBO. Like he does like weird yeah. movie work because you know he's he does. There's that Merchant of Venice where he plays Shylock. That's, that's very like broad. Hat on a hat. You don't need to see Pacino <laughs> play Shylock. I can imagine uh, that two, performance. Two for the money with mm. McConaughey. Yeah, where he says talons in the trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eighty-eight minutes with. Uh, I don't know, Ben McKenzie. Right, which I think, like, I remember just the most withering review of that movie was, like, they even got the runtime wrong. It's, like, 94 minutes. They were close enough, and they couldn't just trim an extra six off it. Uh, He's in Ocean's 13, obviously. Right, which is a weird role. And Uh, I remember him very dismissively saying at the time, like, they were, like, you excited about being in this movie? And he's, like, it's always the ones that are the worst that pay you the most. Like, he was kind of very backhanded about even being in the movie. That, by the way, was a very good impression. Thank you. There, I'm getting a little better. I think it's like the quieter you it's go, the, the exact, better you like, are. It's the same as like the Michael Caine on the trip. There's like the yes, loud one, which is funny, right. but if you can do the subtle the one, quiet, right. the quiet one's much. I actually, think I can do quiet Pacino. And this movie's all quiet Pacino. Also, well, uh, this uh, movie, right, is, yeah. uh, it is definitely like he's tapping into a Pacino we had not seen a lot of, right? That's part of the appeal. Right. I mean, what I think There's is, like two moments where he's loud. We'll get to it more, but there's some interesting factors, I think, to this performance. Well, that's why I think this is a good Pacino movie. Because I think it is about him going like, look, I know I'm a bit of an old hack at this point because that's what his cop is. Right. Well, um, also, like, aside from Michael Caine, it's the only, like, Nolan sort of older generation yes. right. casting that I can think of. There's no, like, Nolan obviously is a student of Well, apart history. from, like, where he, like, digs up Tom Berenger or 
Matthew Modine uh, has him as a Matthew side Matthew Modine piece. or Anthony yeah. Michael Hall, where you're like, right. why does he want some right. 80s, like, forgotten, like... But the difference is having... Rucker Hauer. Ha- having and... Eric Roberts and yeah. one of them. Eric Ro- it's, it's crazy how many of them he under. But he's not, like, you know, he's not, like... Getting the like, he's not know, like I want to work with Nicholson. He's not getting like Warren, like you know, he could probably get Warren Beatty's yeah. attention, or he's not doing anything. But like that falls. Or, into I've always what thought we were he should do about. a movie with Clooney. I mean, like that seems yes. like the most obvious yes. pairing in the in world. In this case, to me. he seems to, have, which I forgot or didn't know ever that this was one of those Clooney, Clooney Soderbergh movies. when they were just buying up all these like Solaris and Insomnia and trying to do these remakes what, of like what, esoteric. What was it called again? Their uh, Section Eight. Section Eight. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I no. thought for a minute it was called K Street, but then I remembered that was that, the was, show. that was his HBO but show. I always used to like, get him confused. He had two HBO shows because he had unscripted as right. well or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Jeez. They were yeah. They were just lobbing content. At so us. yeah, I forgot yeah. that this was from that era where like you mm-hmm. would just see in the way that now you'll always see like executive produced by Brett Ratner. You just used to always see executive produced by. Clooney and Soderbergh. Right, right, right. Now it's Steve Mnuchin and Brett Ratner <laughs> throwing Mnuchin, their name on all the Warner Brothers production. That's uh, yeah, but, when Warner Brothers was still like they taking these flyers on Soderbergh because he had had that crazy year where he like won the Oscar and right. had two hundred million dollars movies, and then followed it up made by Ocean's Eleven. They were like, yeah. this guy's tapped into the zeitgeist, and they were like, what do you want to make? The Good German, and they well, were no, like, I guess this like, is a blockbuster. He would make Full Frontal, but he could get Julia Roberts to be in it. Right. So even if like it's flops, it doesn't. Ma- it'll still make a but little bit of money. So many things set up there. Um, yeah. But I just want to wrap up Pacino. Sure, sure. Because I feel like 2008 when he makes Righteous Kill with De Niro, which is was, the, John Avnet, the same guy who did 88 Minutes. Yes, that was when everyone was like, forget. Like Done. I'm not getting excited about either of these people being in a movie anymore. Right. Like it's not like they'll be bad every time, but I you're not going to sell me on like De Niro is in a movie. Pacino the Two of them together, like after Heat, after yes. all the hype about them being together in right. Heat, to make that. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's a disaster. It's really not good. I remember talking to my brother about like when that came out and being like, man, both those guys are cooked. And we were like, I, my argument to him was, yeah, but the difference is if De Niro's bad in a movie now, it just feels lazy. Right. When Pacino's bad in a movie, it feels like he's trying so hard that it makes you respect him less in, in a mm. way. Yeah, no. Well, it's just Pacino since then. Yeah. He does these HBO movies. He's got one. He's got, you don't know Phil Jack, Spector. Phil Spector, and I believe he has, a, 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 he has the Joe Paterno movie. Which was supposed Palma. to be De Palma, but now it's oh, not. Oh, right. Now it's fucking Levinson again, but, right? Uh, Six yes. years ago, it was supposed to be De Palma. And then yeah. De Palma said that that guy who was the main villain on Project Greenlight is the reason that movie didn't happen. Oh, interesting. Oh, weird. That guy who's like the exec on Project right. Greenlight, okay. yeah. who like is giving all the approval for whatever and like loves the movie that they made. Yeah. De Palma's like, do you see that show? That's the guy that like made me not want to work in television. But that's like the, his like trilogy of like Angels in America. Yeah, let you me don't play know like the most hated right, the people wars. in America. Right, and he gets his kind of like 80s auteurs to like direct them for him. And he'll get his Emmy nomination and stuff. Right. But, I mean, he, he had, gives one good theatrical performance. Yeah, everyone's post insomnia. I'd oh, say theatrical. There's, there's one really strong Pacino Which is, big screen yeah. performance post 2002. Are you going to say Jack and Jill? I'm going to say Jack and Jill. He's very good in Jack and Jill. I've never seen it. I just know that he plays himself. He is me neither. Yeah. Very good in Jack and Jill. I'm not coming out here with hot takes. I'm not trying to argue Jack and Jill is good. He's really weirdly like locked in in that movie. I mean, honestly, when you're looking at his. IMDb page. There's not a lot else to really because it's like stand up guys, the humbling, right. Manglehorn, Danny Collins. Like yeah. he's churn out content he's, that comes out in January. Yeah. Like, I feel like the Manglehorn was David Gordon Green, right? Yeah. I feel like that like 
should have been. It should have been. I feel like it was even at Venice, maybe. Like it, I think you're right. It had he all plays the makings, Manglehorn, for had, crying out loud. It had all the makings of something that could have been decent as like a return to form and just it can't get seen. Well, that was. And every time yeah. the poster is like Pacino looking fucking weird. He's <laughs> yeah. got some hairdo. He looks really he's weird. He's wearing now. like grandma yeah. glasses well, and Manglehorn, he's holding a cat. But in you're front like, of a what wall is of, this room? A wall keys. Of keys, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what, there was this weird diptych that David Gordon Green did in between like studio comedies that was Joe and Manglehorn, where he was right. like, I'm going to take these once very respected actors who now have kind of become cartoonish parodies of themselves, look really weird, and try to make really stripped down character dramas with them. And both of those movies like almost work. They're sure. not bad, but Joe's they're just okay. Like, yeah, and yeah. Manglehorn's okay. He's a good director. I mean, yeah. here, he makes like sort of sometimes you're, you're, it's more, you're more just thinking like, what, why'd you make this? Like, why was right. this the script you wanted right. to do? I, don't know. I just feel like both of those movies, I think those actors especially were hoping that they were like tender mercies. Like, here's your combat. Yeah. You know, here's yeah. like and this sparse character drama that like brings you back into the, the pocket. So just to wrap, yeah. here's what he's got coming. Okay. Number one, he's got The Irishman. The new Martin Scorsese movie. He's playing right. Jimmy Hoffa right. in The Irishman. The $100 million Netflix movie. Right. Also, something called Hangman, directed by someone called Johnny Martin. I, I don't okay. know him. Alex, I'm sure you no, haven't heard of no. Johnny Martin. Co-starring Carl Urban and Brittany Snow. A homicide detective teams up with a criminal profiler to catch a serial killer whose crimes are inspired by the children's game Hangman. So, I'm, like, that's like that's what we got with Pacino, I feel I, like. I'm going to throw out a hot that's take. It's sort of the shit sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Hot take. Pacino should not play cops ever again. Mm. If you tell me Pacino's playing a, lot a cop of in a movie, I'm out. At this point, I'm out. Like, how crazy would it be? How surprised would you be if you heard they're reviving Law & Order, Dick Wolf is reviving Law & Order, like the original, and it's Pacino? I would not be surprised It wouldn't be that surprising. And it would be boring. It wouldn't it would be probably exciting be a little to boring. watch. But so that's what's interesting about Insomnia, yeah. is it does have that vibe a little bit where they're like, let's bring in the old cop, and it's Pacino. And everyone's like, oh, you know, right? Like everyone around him is like, oh, you're the legend. Well, a couple factors I think are interesting. One, uh, the character's very different in the original Insomnia. Okay, so Griffin watched the original Norwegian movie. Humble brag. Uh, the Eric Skjöldberg. Right. I don't know. How you say he his who name. went on to Prozac Nation. Oh. Um, right. Yeah. The movie is very similar in plot. All the uh -huh. major incidents are the same. And it, all it's the set in like the Arctic Circle or whatever. Right, yeah. right. But it's still, it's a novelist, it's a teen girl, all the sort of details, the plot events happen in the same kind of way. The characterizations are very, very different. It's like a dirtier movie, it's a grimier movie, it's a much smaller movie, it's less emotional. But the big thing is, in the original, it's Stellan Sarsgaard, who's a great actor, but is much the cop. younger. Yeah. Yeah, he seems sure, like right. a kind of virile in his prime cop. And he's a little disgraced. The thing is that he... Uh, they caught him sleeping with a key witness in a case. Uh huh. So he used to be a big city cop, and now he's relocated to like the middle of nowhere. He's not know? brought in as like the outside expert the way Pacino Correct. was here. Sure, he's I not see. brought he's just in. Been shuffled over to Trump. Right. So, yeah. He's a little kind of like on the back of his heels, and he's not revered in the same kind of way. That's interesting because I did question halfway through the movie if the movie had done enough to establish why this cop was brought in from L.A. all the way to Alaska to solve it something. It does absolutely nothing absolutely to establish nothing. it. It's crazy. This is like a hundred-person town in Alaska. They're two He's lines. an L.A. cop. 
when he first meets Paul Dooley, he says something like, Yeah, Joe, do me a right, favor. Right, they're like old friends. Right, like the guy asked him to do it. And the other thing is I think he just wants to get the fuck out of L.A. because he doesn't like I- what's going on. Well, I think there. the idea is the LAPD wanted him out because they're investigating him. So they're like, yeah, sure, go but they consult even send on him this with case. His partner. Like, but they yeah. send his partner. His poor partner has to go to Night Mute. It's the sweatiest part of the movie. Because <laughs> in the like in the original, it's like, oh, Sarsgaard wasn't relocated to this small town, but he's in a town adjacent enough that they were like, hey, would you mind go checking on this murder case? In like in Insomnia, it's like, hey, do you want to board a like eight hour flight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> to team up with Hillary Swank. And um, the Hillary Swank type character in the in Insomnia is not they don't have the same kind of relationship where she's as sort of green and idolizes him to the same kind of degree. That's interesting, too, to learn that in the world of detective work, there's like book reports and cel- she's like, I wrote my 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 dissertation on you. I love that. Yeah. I love that she's like a cop nerd. Yeah. But like it's not there's not a lot done with that. It's just right, a no. way to sort of explain that there's like a secret this guy has that she at some point, wrote a book report on. But it also, it, it's an interesting counterpoint to this cop who's just so idealistic and in love with the world of, like, solving crime. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, look, I think Swank's good in the movie. I mean, she, to me, has the Robin Wright pen role in Unbreakable where you're like, she's doing a great job, but she's got, like, half a character. Yeah, right? I have a like, lot of thoughts on her character in the Nolan filmography of women characters. Yes. yes. I also wanted to hopefully talk Let's about, talk. Like, how like, how this movie comes for Nolan and where you guys are at with thinking that, like, because he's such a good subject, I think, for a yeah. series. And this, I think, is so far away from where he gets a blank check. Uh, and yeah. this, to me, is like, that's why I was. That's why I, I raised my hand about this movie. Because, A, I hadn't seen it since it came out. I had basically no memory of it. And um, love the guy so much now. And thought this yeah. was just like a weird movie. It, it's a weird turning point, too. Because we were saying, you know... Following Memento and Insomnia are all like neo noir crime movies. They're all starring adults. They're all pretty grounded, you know. He right. was almost just like the neo noir guy, right, right? Right. And then the next movie is all, Batman, and he becomes the epic. Guy. They're all spins on neo noir. Like with yes. Memento, it's like a neo noir, but the guy can't remember anything. Insomnia, it's neo noir, but the sun never goes down, so it's like a reverse right. noir, right? right? Like he's doing like a little tweak every time, right? But it seemed like this was gonna be his like patina and there's this leap of like okay following six thousand dollars and he makes it with his friends then he gets to make a movie with real actors for like a pretty small budget dollars, and yeah. it, it blows up and everyone goes like okay this is the guy and then he makes this like 40 million dollar warner brothers like big nice looking oscar movie. winners top to bottom right yeah right and I mean, also oh, like but also importantly i think from my interest like he lands this job yes yeah like this was something that came across because after Memento, people were like, "Well, I want to." What do you like now? You would go from Memento to Batman, right? 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 right. And instead, totally. there used to be this intermediary step. Well, and there also used to be these intermediary movies. He, right, right? Right? He lands this movie after Memento has come out in Britain, uh-huh. but before it's come out in America. Interesting. But I, I mean, guess it had already done festivals. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A, it was obviously a hot movie. But he filmed this movie from April to June two thousand one. Like, and Memento oh, wow. came out in like March two thousand one. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it was kind of probably a little like Trevor or whatever. It was like they knew he had yeah. another movie in the can before they. Well, Wait, Memento no. came out in the spring of 2001. Came out yeah. March 2001. Was it at Sundance in 2001? I think it I'm was. I'm going to look it up uh, for you right now. While you do that, can I say a full disclosure that I, I know Chris Nolan and his wife a little bit. Interesting. Holy and they're very cow. great people and sure. have done good, have helped me. 
ever so slightly. Interesting. Tell us more. Helped um, you move. Helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Just like been supportive. <laughs> I met him. He owns a U-Haul. You didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. He does everything. His Does trucks they live in LA space? or are they like They're based in, in London? Right. Okay. okay. Um, I met him because I moderated a panel at Sundance about shooting on film with him, Colin Trevorrow, and cinematographer Rachel Morrison. Okay. Huh. And yeah. part of the setup for that was that every one of these moderators watched a movie of mine and I talked with them on the phone for like two hours before the before Sundance. So at some point I just got a phone call that was like, hello. And I was like, uh, please hold for Chris Nolan. Damn. I was just like, uh, Which movie did he talk to? He watched to Queen about? of Earth mm-hmm. and had like just watched it, I guess in a screening room mm-hmm. and had all these questions about like the sort of filmic texture of it and asked if we'd like printed our titles optically and other great compliments. Sure. And then we did this panel and, um, the experience of being around him, like in public, is really exciting, as you can probably imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, he is one of those directors who's become like visually iconic in and of himself. Right, which I also am excited to talk about because at this point he's like a studio gun for hire. Right, and like by two years ago when I did this thing, um, there's like a security detail around him when he walks into a room full of nerds. Well, I remember when <laughs> like in some. Uh, so not this is before Interstellar, or no, had it this just was come out last January. Okay, so Interstellar had come out right. right. When Inception came out, there was that running meme about the fact that DiCaprio is styled so much like Nolan in that movie, uh-huh, yeah. which that joke wouldn't have legs if the mainstream if public had, yeah. didn't know what Christopher Nolan looked like. That's like, also an important thing. Like he's become a celebrity right. with, without doing any without coveting any press he's not like a, yeah it's true you never really he's yeah. not like the kind of director that would be on a talk show it's from like featurette interviews but those featurette interviews like everyone fucking watched because there was this immediate like cult that sprung up around him trying to figure out like it's this guy's making movies differently than everyone else it feels like and I loved I mean Memento so was it at Sundance yeah so I'm gonna give you the rundown it actually debuted in the Venice Film Festival uh, in 2000 and then you know okay. so it did like Deauville it did Toronto in 2000 so he's locking down the insomnia deal while it's on this festival I run. assume so and then it's at the two, you know 2001 Sundance yeah. film festival and uh, comes out in America it had already come out in Britain last year I saw it in Britain as we discussed on the previous episode that right. we haven't recorded yet and uh, uh, it comes out March in America and of course it's this surprise hit yeah I mean We'll talk about this in the previous episode. Right, but just to like contextualize that at this time he's not iconic. He was just like, he made a movie that blew people's minds. But I, yeah, I remember by the time that Insomnia came out, the fact that it was from the director of Memento, even if he wasn't like name brand, was like, that's a guy everyone's paying attention to now to see if the Memento guy can replicate it. Yeah, that's certainly why I saw it opening weekend and it was very exciting, especially if it came out a year later. Yeah. It came out a year later in America and uh, came out. Sorry, when did it come out? It came out, it came out in May. I yeah, remember it was May summer 2002. That, we will get to the that, box that office. That shocks game. me, and I'm excited. It is crazy. That's another throwback. Is that. like this movie was like a forty million dollar studio movie starring three Oscar winners. Then it was billed as like Academy Award winner Pacino, Academy Award winner well, Williams, what Academy I was Award say, winner Swank. On the Blu-ray box, they do this thing where they simplify it and they just say Academy Award winners, and, and then have just, the three <laughs> names underneath it, sure, which is sure. such a fucking it's a brag. boss move to yeah. just go like we don't have anyone above the title who doesn't have hardware. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I like that. It, I was really impressed. With it's it. a rare feat. I mean, yeah. It's also the poster. The theatrical poster was just like floating heads and dark. It was it's, like a very studio crime it's movie. Like swank and full, right? Uh, like crouching by the body or something. Or and maybe then, it's Pacino actually crouching. No, because it's a big body. Pacino head with sunglasses. Well, no, but I, I think it, no, it is. Pacino's oh, okay. on it twice. Like Pacino yeah. and then Pacino with sunglasses and then yeah. 
in opposite profile, you got Rob Will. The Blu-ray cover is like one of the few times I've ever seen, like not Criterion, but a studio so greatly improve Hmm. the image for their movie in the home video release. The Blu-ray cover is just Pacino in the fog with the gun Mm. and Robin Williams' silhouette behind him. It's like really good. Uh, yeah. But so, it was a summer release. They weren't like, it was this a is film an Oscar he, play. Film he hadn't written, we should know. Yes. This is the only film he ever directed that he had no uh, credited hand in the I was watching play. the credits, leaning on the edge of my seat because I didn't know that. I was like, I wonder if there's they a writing. said, I think he did a, a rewrite on it before I'm he sure took he on, but he has no credit. But, yeah. but even just that like, it was a script that existed and it was also based on another movie. Right, based right. on another movie. It was written by Hilary Seitz, whose only other credit is Eagle Eye. Interesting. The uh, Shia LaBeouf. Michelle Monaghan joint. But you have to imagine, like, you know, the original film comes out in 97. Warner sure. Brothers buys the remake rights. They hire someone to write it. They have scripts in development for and, a little while. And it's kind of like a precursor to the Nordic crime right. thriller that, like, becomes so popular sure. in the, you know, next few years. But right? this was probably a property that was kicking around within sure. Warner Brothers yeah, trying right, to make right. some version of it. And then here's the hot guy. Here we got a couple huge actors attached to it. The movie's ready to go. It was an Oscar play. It was like, this is a smart Summer thriller it's a cop for a thriller adults. with Pacino. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. Um, and it movie. it did fairly well. Did and, good. We'll get to that. And then led to this crazy success. But I feel like it's kind of weirdly the most forgotten Nolan movie. I mean, that's why I was so excited. about yeah. it, uh, picking it just because it's so not. And also, like, there's no having just watched it. There's no reason for that. No, it's not like it's the forgotten one because, like, you know, it's not like his big trouble where he just like came in after someone got <laughs> right, fired. Right, 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 right. It's like you know he made this movie, he nurtured it, he has like the same crew as as yeah. he worked it's a, it before. It's the Memento crew. It's it's David Julian did the score while he Fister shot it. Dodie Dorn edited it. It's like the same team. Memento team. Yeah, yeah. But, so it but, is like a true Nolan thing. But yeah. there's just something about it that like between Memento and and Batman, it's just it's so easy to forget about. Well, it's also, this is the movie where the Nolan House style, I feel, really solidifies because of the budget, because of the the sort of the scale of everything, the prestige of everything, the sort of meticulousness. Memento is obviously much more of like a down and dirty production. He uses that to his advantage. But like stylistically, uh, Batman Begins is far more similar to Insomnia than it is to Memento. But people make that memento jump because memento, in terms of narrative, is very Nolan. Sure. Well, yeah, and of course. But I mean, also, this is the last film he makes that is not genre, yeah. you know, in some way. Obviously, it's yeah. a detective movie, so it is that. But, you know, every movie makes sense either as like sci fi or. He's doing a twist on a larger genre rather than just staying within this noir patina. Uh, although, obviously, you know. He brings gritty realism to genre, I guess, that's, is that's what he his does. Thing. That's his thing. That's his fingerprint. Um, well, what do you think of the movie, Alex? I really like it. We I never mean, even said what we thought yeah, of the movie. Yeah. I've, I mean, like I said, I hadn't seen it in 15 years. And it really, Same. I thought it really held up. Yeah. And it's it's just totally solid. It's A, like, this is the kind of movie that is TV now. I was about like, to say. You, I mean, like, it's almost kind of, hacky to say, but it is like, You the almost kind of, kind of alluded to the killing and, like, Nordic crime. Yep. It's like, this movie feels a lot like what True Detective feels like at its best, I suppose. Sure. And... I think that's kind of shocking because like the $40 million studio movie doesn't exist, especially the non-gimmick driven one. Right. Um, and starring, you know, someone nothing like but Pacino. Oscar winners. Yeah. And this style has just sort of moved away from theatrical filmmaking. Um, I don't really know if this movie has anything to do with that, but like it's the kind of movie that I appreciate has a beginning, middle and an end. Like, can you imagine <laughs> watching Pacino tried to piece this together for seven hours. Well, and also, no. right, I actually liked that about it, and I had kind of forgotten that about it because uh, it had been so long. I don't think I've seen this since I thought and saw it in theaters maybe one time. 
uh, that it's a murder mystery where the murder is not that mysterious and gets solved pretty quickly. Like, no, an it's, hour in it's, tops. It's a character story, yeah. really, you know, centered around a murder mystery. But he puts it together very fast. Yeah, there's two suspects, and one of the suspects, Pacino's like, yeah, this kid didn't do it. It becomes a morality tale. I mean, that's what the movie really becomes. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's it's yeah. about a man in in purgatory or something, right? Like, in a, in a weird sort of, like tormenting landscape. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it, but like that shot of him under the logs, that's the one Which I think. Which is great. That's one of two yeah. amazing, I mean, there's that yeah, sequence really and the good. initial one in the fog. The fog, the fog scene's true. Those are incredible and there's no question that people saw those and were like, this guy's going to be an amazing visual filmmaker. Let's see what else he can do because those sequences are representative to me of so much more than what this movie needed to be enjoyable. First, absolutely, right. There's yeah. a, especially, I mean, the fog, obviously you need that's crucial to, you know, the actual plot mechanics. But the things like the logs, uh, that's not something you necessarily, the weird log chase that immediately just turns yes. into him, like, like being, like, trapped and tormented under this little prison of, like, logs bashing together. Like, well, and it's just a cool idea. I'll say this, too. Like, from, from having worked with Fister, I think the thing that, like, united the two of them that made their partnership so strong like Wally like hates cheating on anything. Sure. You know? And we should mention like Wally Fister had not done anything before Memento. It was like, like a huge, huge step up. And yeah. in between Memento and Insomnia, he did Scotland PA. Like, right. You know, like, so it's like, it's not like Wally Fister's some. It was like, like a lot. He's like Maura Tierney's guy for a run. <laughs> right, yeah, right, he right. was just, him and Tierney were yeah. just like. If you wanted Maura Tierney and you want to get into Sundance, you had to hire Wally Fister. Yeah, remember Scotland? Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh yeah, directed yeah. by her husband, I believe. Billy Morissette. Yeah, I'm mostly familiar. There was a poster for that somewhere at NYU. Okay, uh, with the spatula. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just remember that was that that like yeah the turn of the you know that 2000 uh, let's update Shakespeare. Yeah. Run with, with like an 10 things I hit about you and O. Bad and... company based soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, w Wally had like only done like B sci-fi movies and had done a lot of like Playboy videos and stuff like that, and then had been like a C or second unit or things like that on bigger things. But then Memento was really the breakthrough, and then this is the movie where for the first time he has like a budget to create these images right. with Nolan, and he's just like you know not faking light sources, not cheating on angles, trying to do stuff for real as much as possible, which is obviously an aesthetic that like Nolan shares, and you just feel that with this movie in terms of like. Um, the color palette of this movie is really, really interesting to me because I feel like a lot of people would have tried to like go kind of like scrubbed out sure, and desaturated, sure. you know, especially with this whole like, okay, these white skies. But I like that the rest of the movie is kind of really colorful. Yeah. In it's terms really, of what people are wearing and the set dressing sure. and all of that. As like a daytime movie, it's so like com unnecessarily complicated. The entire right. movie looks like just like heinously hazy 1030 in the morning. <laughs> right, right. And um, it's a it's a a good easy trick that he's pulling. Like yeah. every you know every time you're like oh right it's it's nighttime like you know right. it, it, it's such an easy trick to pull like and it and it works so well it's so unnerving at a certain point so so unnerving yeah and th and this is the first movie where like they have the the money and the time to like get everything they want you know and to be able to be like what's sure. the best version of this sequence the best version of this shot which I think you see like. This is what, how people get blank checks is when they're given money and, and the studio sees them spend every single dollar, every single cent well. This is a Warner Brothers movie, we should say, and they're, yeah, they're he becomes, the ones who make right. Batman Begins. And, and he's right, never he's still, not, he's he, been at Warner Brothers. Do you feel like Batman Begins is a blank check? 
Or do you feel like that's landing a bigger, more high-profile job than this? Yeah, Griffin kind of has a take, I think. I, I think this was kind of a test. Like, I, I think Memento ended up being like, okay, let's see what he can do. And then Somnia was a test to see if you can, like, play in the studio big leagues. And then when he, like, surpassed their expectations on that test, Batman Begins is, like, the weird blank check test. But Inception, to me, is that's the real what, That was check. my thinking. Yeah. Like, which is weird, because that's, like, many movies into... Right. A career that started very strong with movie number two. Right. It's absolutely. And to of wait course, that long. every movie has, sort of, apart from the prestige, I think, has sort of tipped him into greater success. But Inception is the kind of thing where, I mean, that's why he gets to make whatever he wants, right? Yeah. The thing that's big about him, though, is that, like, he's got this crazy quiet confidence and is so exacting and knows exactly what he's trying to do. And everyone says he's this amazing communicator. That whoever he's talking to, department head, actor, he can convey exactly what he wants in, like, a sentence without any sort of wiggle, you uh-huh. know? Not like in a demanding dictatorial way, but just like, here's exactly what it is. And it just tracks. And so you just imagine if you're at like Warner Brothers and this 31-year-old guy comes in and he's made two movies that exceeded where what they should sure. have been yeah, yeah, yeah. and is able to very succinctly explain to you what he wants to make. You just go like, I guess we should give this guy a shot. I Batman. Right. Like he's getting yeah. like blank checks with like a lot of stipulations. Like they're like, here's a check. We might take it back from you if this doesn't work out well. That was what I, I mean, I feel like we're not really talking so much about the movie, which we'll is it. sad because yeah, I love when, I love when you guys do that. We're going to, yeah. But um, it is interesting to think like, this was just a job. Like Clooney and Soderbergh had this movie. He made this movie. Batman's obviously something they were looking to do. It's not like when he walked in and was like, what are you guys doing with Batman? They were like, I don't know nothing. Because they had been trying to make Batman movies. But so years. many aborted attempts. Like right, they kept on hiring Aronofsky. writers and directors. Right, they're just yeah. looking for right. like whoever's going to be the guy that says the thing about Batman that makes, makes sense sure. now. And his ability to do that is kind of amazing. But even still, he's like in the, st- like he's still just doing these other things. Yeah. And that you mentioned Aronofsky. Thinking about this movie, I was thinking a lot about Aronofsky because I feel like Nolan super smart uh, makes this movie plays their game. Sure. Does a really good job with it by my opinion. And I assume I love this. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, I, I even said that I full movie. stop. Love this he, movie. Him yeah. doing a good job with this and then getting a bigger job and doing a very good job with that eventually leads him to inception. Whereas Aronofsky basically makes his inception, which is the fountain immediately right. after right. What, Too early. his equivalent yeah. of memento. Yeah. Which is like this small, breakout movie that blew teenage Alex's mind. Yeah. Right. And then they're like, what do you want to do? And he wasn't like, well, what scripts do you have? Yeah, Which Nolan was... seems to have said. He was like, I've got this thing. It's the craziest idea. Now's my chance to make it. And then that set him back big time. Right. Well, A, it took him just like seven, eight years to make it. He didn't make, you know, anything yeah. for a while, I think. Right. There were six years between Requiem and Fountain. I think it's 2000 to 2006. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, Fountain definitely came out when I was in college. It's, yeah, 2000 to 2006. Uh, but Nolan was very right. deliberate. But, but the fountain had yeah. all these problems, right? Where like a star left it. I can't it was remember. Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. Right, they left right, really right. soon before they were going to yeah. start filming. And, yeah. and then he freaked out and there was like a graphic novel and he was like, maybe this is the only thing we get from the fountain. And then he, then it was like, Got no, them, he's making so the fountain. Right, right, he right. makes the fountain and it was like, people were like, what the fuck was that? Like people were, one yeah. of those movies where people were angry about yeah. it. But I mean, he also was like in the mix for a Batman movie. And instead sure. he was he just like, year Nolan. One pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Instead he was yeah. just like, I'm going to do my thing. I have my great fountain idea. And Nolan was just like, well, let's take these meetings at Warner Brothers and see what they've got and right. see what I can do with their properties and learn how to make like the $200 million movies I already want to make. Because right. I feel like yeah. Inception was his fountain and he just kept yes. holding it back. Because even the prestige. He had Inception like, as like a concept in 99, he yeah, said. Right. And he had sold it to Warner Brothers earlier 
but they like weren't ready to we'll make get, it. Yet. We'll get to Inception. Right, yes. Um, but but that is interesting because Aronofsky was the guy who came closest to making Batman right. post Schumacher. He was the take that they were the closest on. He was attached for a long time, and I think they ultimately thought it was too weird what he was trying to do. Um, and Nolan just was like very deliberate and patient. Um, let's dig into this movie. I really well, want to talk about well, this one movie. more question. Oh, okay. just, yeah. Did Nolan talk about insomnia to you? No. Right. I just. I'm I wanted. Sure if I'd to, asked, I, he would have. Right. Right. I just wanted to know if he had any. Like, because it certainly is the movie he talks about the least. I yeah. Mean, now I kind of wish I had, or like, yeah. you know, some point could sort of just get the read on. But I imagine there's there's pride in it. I mean, it certainly is uncompromising. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. It's his like oh the studio kind of you know had their own ideas and you can see when you watch that movie it's not mine and you look at it and you're like oh yeah. No, it's no. It I mean, it yeah. doesn't feel that way. At it all. has that visual trick that he used a lot in Memento of the the rapid cuts, yes. you know, to flat like sort of surreal looking imagery that are you you know flashbacks that you're eventually going to put together, like the blood, yeah, uh, spreading on the cloth, and you know. But especially compared to the original, this movie feels very Nolan-y. It's not just like okay, just do an American version of that film, right? right. Everything he adds to it is very distinct. But it is it a also a Pacino movie. It's very Pacino movie. Okay. Oh wait, Ben, how you doing? If you want anything, just tell me, and I'll swing the mic over. Oh, I'm good, thanks. Ben, you guys are Ben's so here. smart. <laughs> I just Ben hey. doesn't have a microphone. Hey, ben, so. Ben. Yeah, what's up? Come on, you're a finest film critic. I know, and I, I, yeah, I, I. Yeah. The producer Ben. It's true. You're the Ben Deucer. Yeah. The pro doer Ben. Okay, you're right. You're cheering me up. You're the Haas. Yeah. Mr. Positive. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hositive. The tiebreaker birthday Benny. <laughs> you're the meat lover. You're the fart detective. He just looks at me when he does this. You're the too. fuck master. <laughs> yeah. Come on, people don't call you Professor Crispy. They can't. But they wish you a hello fennel. Uh, yeah, please do. Graduate certain tells over the course of different miniseries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Producer Ben Kenobi, mm-hmm. Kylo Ben. Yep. Ben Say, Ben I Shyamalan, Say Ben anything. Ailey Ben's with the dollar sign, Warhaz. Right, right. Come on, have some pride. All right, you did it. Anything else, Ben? Uh, now. Okay, uh, no. Great, Great okay, thanks, cool. Ben. So Insomnia. Uh, let us know. Let me, just give me a tap, Ben, and I'll swing over. Uh, Insomnia. All right, I'm going to run down the plot of Insomnia. It's set in Nightmute, Alaska. Ooh. It's a real town, but I think is not an Arctic town. How ironic. I think they just like the name. It's a good name. Nightmute, more like Daymute, because it's never night in this movie. Sure, because it's the summertime. So they, well, it's not ironic, because they mute night. So there is, oh. it's actually. Wow. Alex just schooled you. Wow. In I didn't occur to me when watching the movie. town names. But. And it's the halibut capital of the, you know, Martin Donovan really likes ripping on that in yeah. his uh, 10 yeah. minutes of screen time. And as my wife looked up, filmed in British Columbia, not Alaska. Right. She Mostly said this movie doesn't look like Columbia. Alaska. Uh, yes. It has these gorgeous landscapes. They're, but they're, they're very green and yeah. like very pretty. I promise I'm not going to keep on doing this, but I think this is an important distinction. Uh, Martin Donovan dies at the 30-minute mark in this movie. Sure. In the original, his partner dies like 15 minutes in. Okay. And the partner is the older, more seasoned guy. Oh, interesting. Okay. Not the sort right. of idealistic younger dude, you know? Martin Donovan is actually pretty good because he strikes me. He's not like anything in particular. He's a little prickly. He's a little bit of an asshole, but he's okay. Yeah, and you know, it's not like he's the character. The the character. I mean, he's the way you know, like he's not playing him as someone who hates or looks up to Pacino exactly. He's kind of like respects him. Probably knows he's a little fucked up. Like, right? I mean, I like that the movie doesn't doesn't stack the deck. it, It doesn't do any legwork to establish their relationship. Right. There's no like introduction to how they work together. They just show up together 
and that's it. And they're just partners. And, and you they're know. like, you know, they talk to each other and stuff. Yeah. Right? But you it's know. also just good casting because, like, Martin Dominic's just a really fucking solid actor. Yeah. And he shows up and he's comfortable on screen. And he just, like, he, he immediately, there's, there's a sort of, like, welcome sort of, like, warning quality with him. Where you just like hit the ground running and you're like, okay, I'm buying this guy in scene with with Pacino. He seems like a cop. Like this movie can just start moving along. You also have a real sense that this guy's not in the whole movie. <laughs> yes, you, yes, that is true. You yes. know right off the bat that it's not right. Pacino, Williams, Swank, and Donovan. Yeah, right. a, and they just, could have pulled a trick, I guess, yeah. and cast like you know, name an Oscar-winning actor. I don't know. But like even not remembering Robert the Taylor. plot of the movie, yeah. I knew this guy was either going home, <laughs> right, or, right, right, or something was happening to him. Um, so uh, they are LAPD detectives. Will Dormer, that's Pacino's character, uh-huh. and Hap Eckhart. Eckhart, Eckhart, yes. Uh, they've been sent to Alaska. Hap Eckhart is the co- the copiest name I've it's ever. It's quite heard. a cop name, Hap. Hap Eckhart. Um, they've been sent to Night Mute because the police chief Paul Dooley like knows Will. Hey, do me a favor. Come investigate this murder. You know, he was like an LAPD guy, and then he was like, all right, packing up, going back to Night Mute. When Al Pacino walks into the room, and he's got sunglasses, and he's got the leather jacket on, and his weird Pacino hair and makeup, yep. he's like, hey, free from L.A. You're like, this is an L.A. cop. And when Paul Dooley's like, hey, we used to work on the force together, it's like, you never lived in L.A. Paul Dooley, you have been in Night Mute, Alaska your entire life. I love Paul Dooley. I do, too. He's a great actor. This is the thing I was talking about. Like, okay, you got three big Oscar winners in this movie. Like, you know, you could give Nolan credit for working with them well, but the studio probably wanted those people. But Nolan's real, like, fingerprint in terms of casting comes from, like, the below the line, like, oh, Dooley, Cat, you know? Yeah, Nicky Cat, for sure. More Tierney. Like, these are just, like, really good, like, actors, actors. Five-time Emmy Award winner Jonathan Jackson. Is really good in this. (laughs) I just I just like noting that he has five daytime Emmys. Daytime Emmys, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, there was a, a girl has been murdered, mm-hmm. Twin Peaks style. A seventeen year old girl uh, was beaten to death, and they have to solve the murder. But she was like, "Let me see the body." He goes in there. He immediately just fucking nails it. You see, this guy's the best goddamn detective. And Nikki Cat's all like, "I did the report, right?" right. Like he he doesn't like that Pacino wants to see the body. Nikki Cat, maybe Hollywood's most underrated scoffer. He's, he scoffs a lot in this movie. If you need someone to just be kind of like, like just a simmering irritation at uh, what the main character is doing. I, I think the mustache is just, that's the decision they all made. And it was such a good decision. It's such a good decision. Because you just look at this guy and you're like, right, this is what he decided to do. Every yeah. day he's like, got to keep the mustache like right. perfectly trim. Well, especially because this is this thing I love about Pacino being in this movie is like, here's this weird, quiet, like kind of character study movie about a guy breaking down in every sense, sure. right? Breaking down physically, psychologically, yes. his whole set of morals and everything. But Pacino's kind of treating this to a degree like it's just him doing another cop movie. So like you could tell he came in with like, this is how I'm going to dress. Sure. This is how I'm going to play some of these scenes in terms of the movements. He does a little bit of his like Pacino kind of like swagger shit sometimes. So it's like halfway in between like Sea of Love and something like, you know, The Insider. Yeah. Um, but the movie contextualizes that so well by being like, he's this L.A. cop. He's the hot shot. Everyone, like, respects him. Hillary Swank studied him, and now you're just going to see him fucking crumble. So it plays into the fact that it's like, Pacino's a little too old to be, like, getting away with acting like this. Sure. I, I get but The you. movie's yeah. kind of on the same page. Uh, what do you think, Alex? Uh, I mean, his sort of like introduction to the town is really simple. And mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, he is kind of doing the, 
doing the thing you're describing. Uh, I don't know if I have much more to say about I that. I like it's his just, mumble. It's just like, it's, like, it's the quiet Pacino. And his, his like disintegration into like illness is really interesting and kind of believable. I agree because it's not too uh, pronounced. Like he like, really feels sick and tired. Just, yeah. It's, it's kind of like Hanks' cold in Bridge of Spies where it's yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, I get this guy's tired without him going like, <laughs> yeah. like every scene or whatever. His, he's just, his eyes, I mean, is the, right? It's the best way to put it. He just looks fucking weary like yeah. if it wasn't the point of the movie you would be like man he's just like <laughs> not, someone's like feeding lines to him like someone's just like feeding yeah. lines to him through an earpiece he is like asleep at the wheel but because it is the point he kind of has an excuse to like just not seem like he's paying attention in any scene yeah it's actually right it's a good that's probably why the movie is a good Pacino movie in a sea of kind of mediocre Pacino performances well, and when people do their like modern day Pacino impression they do a lot of that of like squirming around in the chair and like not making eye contact and like mumbling stuff under their breath this idea that he's like trying to do this almost like kind of Brando I don't want to be on camera thing and this movie like uses that to like this is just him fucking being off the rocker there's this, uh, it was in like the last couple weeks of uh, David Letterman doing his show when Pacino came on to do like a guest top 10. Uh-huh. And he wandered in with like the seven scarves on and the hair adding like an extra 12 feet of sure. height onto his head. Just being like, oh, Dave, I always want to do the top 10. And then the bit is he doesn't feel like he can deliver the joke. So he's asking Letterman if he can just read the numbers. So Letterman still does the jokes and Pacino reads the numbers. And Pacino reads the numbers as if they're like Shakespeare text. Like he gives them all these like weird actor twists. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But there's one of them where Letterman forgets the bit and it's clearly a real moment, not a planned moment. But the camera's on Pacino and they're ready for Pacino to go like number six or whatever. And Letterman forgets the bit and just says number six himself. Instead, he says it himself. Uh-huh. And the audience kind of goes, ah. And there's this shot of Pacino just deflating and he kind of looks around and like, like he's a confused old man who doesn't remember where he is anymore and can't Jesus. remember if he was supposed to say the six or this not. This is grim. And that moment uh-huh. is like exactly how Pacino plays. <laughs> sure. Being tired the rest of the movie, which is just like, was I, was I supposed to say six or not? I can't remember anymore. Oh, I say that, I say that, I say that. Yeah, no, it just feels like actual senility. Sounds like something I'd say. Uh, yeah, right. He has a big ring in the movie too, like a ring. sort of like which is definitely Johnny Depp style thing. ring. I think his whole styling in this movie was like he brought his team in and was like, "This is how I'm dressing." Like there was a, no a, like a leather jacket somewhere between the waist and the knees, but there's right. like not a trench coat and not a real <laughs> right. coat either. Right. I don't think Nolan was allowed into any costume meeting for Pacino's character. Right. I think Pacino just said, "Here's what I'm doing." But it's also it's also interesting that like as you're saying, like especially at this time. There could be like a Pacino Robin Williams movie that is just nothing but like ham fisted, yeah. idiotic performances. Right. And they're both as far away from that as I think they could possibly be I at this agreed. point. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into Williams, who I think is terrific in this movie. Okay. Uh, uh, Pacino also has the weird scar on his neck in this movie, which they sh- never address. They talk about it. Right? They oh, right, do, right, no, no. Right, 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 right. Swank is like, is that when, uh, you like, know, Jimmy the right, Snake? Right. It was yeah. famous. <laughs> she's yeah, like, yeah. she basically is like, that's from like, you know, the whatever case. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, were they really hiding in the basement at 385 whatever street drive and like and he's like yeah that's that's how it happened so yeah oh yeah so swank comes in pretty soon swank is uh, what's her character's name uh, detective ellie burr right she's, and a, she's she's a cop nerd like you said right i i spent the whole movie trying to figure out who she reminds me of in this and then i realized it's kimmy schmidt <laughs> sure she's a little <laughs> kimmy schmidt. very earnest like oh gee whiz let's solve the murder <laughs> well right and He's just, he's dispensing these like really hacky aphorisms where it's like, hey, misdemeanor, 
you know, it's the same as uh, murder one. You know, people make the same mistakes. Like where I like I could be saying this like it sounds right. like something an old detective might like think. It feels like Pacino wandered in from a shittier cop movie with right. shittier dialogue. And the rest of the movie is going like, wait a second, fucking take it down a notch, and dude. This movie definitely doesn't work. Uh, quite as well if it doesn't have that like tiny little B plot of her just being like oh he's a little full of shit yeah but then at the end being like but I get it you know I get that there's shades of gray right yeah right but it is like he's the outsider in the town which is good because now we can like find this place through his eyes but then also like she's the insider who knows this guy already so right. like mm-hmm. the outsider has some pre-existing reputation so now there's just like two layers yeah, and it's what a, you can sort of latch on to. And it's a nice way to drop in, you know, your exposition. Because the only scene that feels clunky to me is that when they check into the hotel. Yes. And Pacino and Donovan have that conversation where Donovan's like, so I guess I have to talk to IA. And Pacino's like, about the case? Like, yeah. you know. It, that scene made no sense. That scene is bizarre. It was it's very, very Like, weird. 20 minutes later, we were like, wait, do we have to rewatch that? Because it's not being addressed. But they don't pay it off for like an hour. But then when it does pay yeah. off, it's like, oh, okay, that's just right. Like, finally. You just yeah. waited to sort of fill us in on that. It's not that that was a bad job. It's that it didn't matter until now. It just has the yeah. one thing I really hate only because I really care about what actors, I, I, when people are about to eat in a movie, I get excited <laughs> for the food they're going to have. Yeah. And the thing where he's like, uh, lost my appetite and he stands Great. up and I'm like no you're definitely hungry it, yeah. you were on a plane like I start to feel hungry for Al Pacino well look I mean if you if you love eating in movies uh, Pacino does the most active gum chewing I have ever seen <laughs> <laughs> love it this especially in that one montage yeah, right. where he's trying to fall asleep <laughs> and, and he spits out, out the gum yeah. that, that's a it's like that's oozing a, through his yeah. teeth can I offer one thing about the gum because Please. he mentions it later yeah he's talking to someone about it and uh, about how it keeps you awake, yeah, yeah, which yeah. never, which then never comes back into the no. movie. Right, but right. I was very excited for the gum to be what, uh, and this is a term I would love if people continue to use to be what my wife and I call a blender as a character tick, which is named after Will Smith's blender, an enemy of the state, <laughs> where a character in a movie from like '96 onward has one inexplicable thing as a screen. It's like a screenwriting term that never caught on. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> give him one thing. That's their thing. And right. I don't know if you remember Enemy of the State. Will Smith, yeah, yeah. there's like a scene where he talks about how much he loves his blender. There's a scene where he asks his kids not to touch his blender. <laughs> when the house is ransacked, the blender is destroyed or stolen. I don't remember what. And he's like, I don't know how you take a man's blender. And then I believe later in the movie, he gets a new blender. And then we, after we watch that, we watch Murder at 1600, yeah. where Wesley Ooh, Snipes is like- I've never seen that movie. His blender is that he's painting like a little model village in the basement. <laughs> like basically like a train set. And we were just like, oh, this is his blender. And now ever since that day that we watched both of those movies on 4th of July three years ago, anything like that in a movie- That's a it's great just, term. It's like, this is the blender. This right. is just like the extra thing that Pacino didn't have in the last cop movie. Right. But now he chews the gum. So now he has this one more right. character right. trait. And I was really excited to continue to track that. And it never comes back. No, no, it doesn't. And yeah, it's not like he then uses the gum to like, you know, wedge a door together. Or no, something. it just gives him a lot of business to do in <laughs> sure. any scene where Maybe he's listening Maybe it's something he brought. Like, it's like how Brad Pitt's always eating a fucking sandwich in the Ocean's right. Eleven movies. Like, right. Like, where he was just like, I had an idea where I chew more gum. Thing. Just like one extra thing. Right. Is, Nolan's the... like, yeah, fine. Chew gum. Like, okay, uh, I'm not going to fight you on that. So let me ask you a question. I want to ask about like. Maybe not. I don't know. Blender blender classifications. What would qualify this as a blender? This is going would... right in the blank check no lexicon. Question. I mean, that it's is. It's right there with Flubber. My greatest contribution. Yeah. Too much paprika on the sandwich. This is Going sure. into the the term book, uh, Wolf Smith in iRobot. Is that the converse? His converse yes. loves those converse. Right. Yeah. Would you say that counts as a blender 
or because they later in the movie call out like, oh, he likes retro shit, does that make it too clear to be a blender? I feel like to me, a blender can lift right out of the movie. Right. Like, right. Yeah, right. It's right, something right. that like can be added in on like the polish a week before shooting where sure. it's just like, oh, we have an idea. This guy's always wearing Converse. It, we just need <laughs> right. a specific. Yeah, we just need like something yeah. that he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, somewhere in my mind, I have dozens of other examples, but it's just like, it's just whatever that is. Sure, um, sure. But they, they can't, yeah. So if you have any other questions about a specific example, I'll certainly I will. do my I best to will. see if I consider them blenders, but it's really in the eye of the beholder. We're going to do a Devil Wears Prada episode, right? With your sister? I think so. At some point? Yeah. Because then, then I really, just remind me then to talk about, it has two of the most hurtful uh, discarded meals in the history of movies. Mm. And it re- that, that's another one that I really fixate on in terms of food not eaten. Uh, yeah, ju- just to uh, address that, uh, we had like thrown out the joke idea of having, it was not a half our joke, siblings, whatever, our yeah. siblings on an episode. And then people started asking for that on Twitter, and then my sister weighed in. Sure. So, so now at some it. point on the books, we're going to do a Devil Wears Prada episode with my 19-year-old sister. I assume, and I want to do my brother too, I assume we'll do SWAT. It just seems like the movie sure. that we sure. would want to do the most because we've watched it together so many times. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll ask him if he wants, if there's something else he would think of. But SWAT to me just seems like the obvious. Uh, um, anyway. A thing I was going to say I like about Hilary Swank's uh, character in this movie and how she functions is that because she is such a big fan of his and has studied him so much, it gives the movie this reason for her to pay such close attention to everything he's doing without being suspicious. So there's this constant tension of her asking him, why did you do that? What happened there? What's going on here? Without him feeling like he's under investigation. Mm -hmm. But he also knows he's not getting away with anything. Every detail is being picked up on by her. All right, so let's continue the movie. Uh, All right, so they're here. They're investigating this crime. Uh, pretty quickly. Why is it they go to? Is it because oh they find the bag? They find the bag and in this cabin. Right. They go through the the items and they then they find go. It. Here's what we should do. Like, we should put the bag back. We should say big reward for whoever brings us the bag. If anyone knows where right. the bag is. And he's like, it'll drive this killer crazy because the body has been scrubbed. He he knows like this is someone who knows what he's doing in terms of crime scenes or whatever. And he has that one moment of doubt where he goes, maybe I sh- we shouldn't do the bad I don't thing. think that's a moment of doubt. That's him fucking, uh, like, that's him trolling Martin Donovan. You think so? Yeah. Maybe we should do it by the books Donovan just, right, and right. he's like, oh, or I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a bad idea to, like, try and bait a criminal with some evidence. I, What do you think? And the guy's like, no, that sounds fine. You know, like, he's trying to be like, yeah. oh, I guess it sounds fine. Oh, I guess that's fine then. Let's do it. See, I, I think read that's it as what he's this doing. moment of, like, it's performative doubt, but I think there is genuine doubt in him because he is starting to question everything now. I mean, as we figure out later in the movie, the sense he has of like his past catching up with him, you know, even uh-huh. if you're doing the the wrong things for the right reasons. Um, but the, they put the bag back there. Which is a little iffy. The like yes. rationale behind going back to that place is a little confusing. It Most is. Definitely. Um, and this leads to this chase where they are kind of caught flat footed because the guy they are chasing knows this whole terrain really well where they're going, you know, he has an escape route out of this cabin. They don't know about they right. Pacino's chasing him through the fog. This like shadowy figure. Oh, and let's set up at, the, at this point. They've interviewed, uh, Jonathan Jackson, high school boyfriend, the high, the high school, school boyfriend. boyfriend. Man, that, seen, guy, that, that guy's a real good teenager. Uh, uh, Randy Stetz. He has yeah, a Pantera a, poster. He's yeah. an asshole. He's a Pantera poster. He lights a cigarette during an interrogation. With the LAPD. Yeah. I mean, like, he's got, a little, he's got some balls for it, Alaska. He's got some rude toot. Yeah, he's got a rude toot. He's got right. a rude toot. Uh, but Pacino's kind of into it, I think. Pacino- he loves fucking with it. Yeah, exactly. Because he gets to be, like, movie star cop with this kid, right? 
Uh, but this kid's just like such a fucking like unqualified piece of shit. Where it's like, okay, he's physically abusive to her. Sure, right. He's he, shitty to them. He's an obvious uh, stool pigeon, right. as we eventually. And you can tell they wish it was him, but it very quickly becomes clear it isn't. There's she another knows, like, this guy, guy didn't do anything. This guy hasn't killed anyone. Essentially, is what he's right. realizing. So he starts mocking the guy for the fact that his girlfriend was sleeping with someone else. He presumes, right? But they realize that's the sort of turning point. There's some other guy that she's been seeing. And because if they can she out has, like, fancy gifts that right. obviously someone was buying. Pacino picks that dress up, and he knows exactly what it costs. This is designer. Yeah. This is designer. Yeah. The clip nails. He he understands women's fashion in this movie. So they go, they're on this foot chase, and they think— Maybe we could do, like, a prequel to Insomnia that's about him on the case of, like, some fashion murder in, in like, Malibu. What if it's a prequel— It's called, like, Malibu Nights. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say it's a prequel to Insomnia, but also a sequel to Devil Wears Prada. Insomnia, Malibu. Like the Malibu in like Malibu? script. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but it, yeah, so they think they know like exactly the basic type of who this suspect is. The person who killed her is whoever this other older guy she was seeing was who bought these presents for her. So we're going to leave the bag there and this will show us this guy. Yeah, so there's this chase in the fog, which I think we all agree is a very well executed set piece. Yeah. And really like actually starts the plot of the movie because right. up until that yeah. point it's like a cold case murder like the murder happened long enough ago that there's right. nothing it's not like right. long enough ago that these LA cops have flown yeah. all the way up this yeah. is like the actual incident that like 40 minutes into the movie or half an hour becomes the thing that the rest of the movie is actually about right and like, Joanna was like he wait he shot us like you know you realize like oh this, right this is the actual plot and at this point he's had one night where he didn't sleep very well you know he goes uh, why don't we go to school and Terry at the guy that go it's 10 10 30. No, let's go. I, mean, I don't even think he says, I know. He's just like, yeah. Yeah. He's good. Like he's super he's really excited. Good. He's good. He's he's really good he's in those really scenes because he he's say, right. You got it when he, they say it's yeah. 10. He says some like yeah. very yeah, casual yeah. laugh. He's like, You yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's 10. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a good right. way to set that up. It's right. really, and up until that point, that element hasn't really been announced either. Yes. It hasn't been like when they're landing, they're like, You know, it's always day here. Right. They wait until they're already in it to be like, oh, the sun never Which sets. The right original either. does that literally. The plane lands and in the car ride, they're like, it's so weird that it's always day here. Yeah, well, that's a good. That's a good move. Yeah. Moving, moving in a little bit later. A hundred percent. Because at um, first you just think, okay, this is daytime investigation. He's had no, one no. Night. It's a nice little right, right. Little, little twist. You've had one night where he doesn't sleep very well, but he's a cop. He's missed sleep some nights, so like, you know, that's not really an issue yet. Okay. So and then in the fog, he he, he fires his gun. Uh, and he fires his gun. Now the figure he's chasing is fired at them, so he has reason, I think, to be alarmed. Shoots another cop figure. in the leg, right? Yeah. Uh, shoots another cop in the leg, yeah. right? Uh, one of the one of the sort of Twin Peaks cops. He's yeah. like, oh, I don't know, beach, yeah. you know, like I've never seen a murder <laughs> before. And uh, and then he, yeah, he shoots his partner, Martin Donovan, Hap, Hap, and has enough of like Martin Donovan has, takes long enough to die to be angry at Al Pacino and suspicious that he shot him for a reason. So Martin Donovan. Gives good death in this movie. A nice, nice little death. Very good death. But he's starting to realize, like, did you, did you mean to do that? Why do you do that? Hap? Why do you do? Or why or Dormer? Why do you do it? He's starting to question if Dormer was trying to silence him. And Dormer's very nope, nope, no. I thought it was him. I thought it was him. Dies in his arms. And also, like the audience, you don't really know that it's not him. It's not like the audience right. has any clue that who this is. You're yeah. on Will's side, I would say, right? hundred like, percent. It's more like by the end of the movie where he says, like, I don't even, know. I don't even know if I meant to. Yeah. We, I feel like we still basically know, but we just understand why he's. It's a great touch on that. I feel like a lesser movie would keep him alive and kind of have him like really try to tighten the noose on Pacino, right? And also a lesser movie would like 
a hundred percent make Hillary Swank his new partner. Yes. Whereas sure. in fact, she sort of just like is also on the force. Cause she's now assigned right. to the case to figure out. There's these sort of murmurs that like, you know, that she, from her that like, she's sort of treated as the junior cop. Yeah, she's on the new case. She's on the new case. She's on the foggy shooting. She gets put on the foggy shooting. Right. And it's, but it's like Paul Dooley's like, just write it up. Doesn't have to be Shakespeare or whatever, right. where you're like, you know, he doesn't really want her to. And there's that great moment I love in the scene where they're all having beers after they think they've solved the case. And Nikki Cat makes the like, hey, hey, oh, what has two thumbs and loves yeah. blowjobs? This guy. And everyone laughs. And then you see him just nudge her out of frame and he goes like, hey, sorry. <laughs> Like, she's um, not even in the shop for the reaction. Yeah, no, yeah, for and sure. And just, like, she's with all these guys who are making fun of her all the time. I didn't know the two thumbs gag went back this far. I don't think I heard it. Before? Yeah, I must have heard it when I saw yeah. this movie, but then I don't right. know if I heard it again until 2007 or 8. This guy. Um, I feel like the first time I ever heard it, there's some movie where someone applies it to taking a shit. Okay. Where they go, what has two thumbs and just took a stinky shit? Uh, this guy. Great. Thank you for that. In. <laughs> uh, and uh, but no, yeah. So she's on the. I think that was in the case. King's speech. It was in the King's it's speech. The King. That's the one. That's the one. I was trying to remember what it was. It was the King's speech? Just about the King. Yeah. Tom Hooper loves doing the this guy yeah. joke. Uh, did he make no? The last movie he made was the Danish Girl, right? Correct. He doesn't have a new movie. Uh, sure anyways, I, I I don't know why I just. Oh, he directed Cars Three. That's what it is. <laughs> Tom Hooper directed Cars Three. Um. So Tom Hooper. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh. So yeah. So so Pacino is still on. You know, on the hunt, on the hunt for this guy who is now being charged with two murders, essentially. Right. Also, first he sort of confesses that he sort of confesses that he killed Hap to Paul Dooley, right? And he's like, "Don't worry about it." Yeah. And then when Hillary Swank comes in, he's like, "Just give this guy an extra couple of volts to fry with." Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. killed this cop now as well. Yeah. And it's really not clear. I mean, that seems, I guess, like their old friendship, but it is sort of an interesting. Julie just doesn't press him on it at all. He confesses right? it basically right away. He's like, "I, I accidentally shot him." I almost take it as Dooley doesn't even process. Yeah, it. He's like it's just like, like he hears look, what yeah, he wants he, to yeah, hear. Yeah, because he's basically right. saying it's my fault, and Dooley's like, "Eh, don't worry about right. it." Right. I mean. I just like, we should just, I mean, because, yeah, because Swank is not really doing a lot. It's just little bits of investigation. But the moment where she just comes to Will and she's like, anyway, here's the case. You know, we figured that guy did it. Could he just sign? And he, like, has the chance to exonerate himself. Yeah. And he wants her to find him guilty. He's like, no, you really want to, you know, don't just put your, you know, spit shine on it. You really want to, like, dig into this case. Every case yeah. matters or whatever, right? Like. I think that's yeah. important. Also, yeah. a good scene when he calls the guy's wife and he's like, "Hey, it's <sighs> good me. scene." He's gone because it's not too silly. Yeah, or there's a lot of talking on the phone in this movie. There's a lot of like long phone calls where you can't really hear the person on the other end. Yeah, and like you can tell, like because the daughter answers, he knows who the daughter is. He he knows the wife by her first name. You know, right? These are like real people to him. Because at first, in this, when the scene starts, I thought, "Oh, he's calling his wife and kids," mm -hmm. which then kind of underlines like, "Oh, this guy might not have anybody." Like, he might be this weird, swaggering L.A. cop who just, like, goes home alone. Yeah, right. There's all the other phone business with what turns out to be Robin Williams. There's yeah. a lot of Pacino talking yeah. on the phone in this movie. Uh, and good talking on the phone because really it's, good. like, him being, like, oh, yeah? You know, like, having to sort of answer noncommittally in public on the phone to this guy who's like, I saw you kill your partner. And in, like, super tight oneers. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's playing out in full pretty much. So yeah, so right. So he, but that's the thing. He quickly figures out pretty much right after this, like, oh, she has these crime novels, right? 
the boyfriend, this guy's a local. He, he, he interrogates her best friend. He interrogates her best Pacino's friend. trying to fuck her. That's one of the only times he goes a little more full Pacino. He goes where full he's full like, Pacino a pile of garbage! Yeah. You know? Yes, Trash! <laughs> he loves talking about the pile of garbage. That's the, and he also tries in front of a moving truck. Yeah, he does to, to of, fuck with yeah, her. Just to freak her out. I'd, I'd say letting Pacino stand next to a pile of garbage is a really bad choice as a director because it's essentially a pile of props for him to do business with. Garbage! Yeah. He wears a hat. But she's a good a team, too. Both of these Here teams again. are good because they are obviously traumatized, but they are reacting by being uh, annoying teenagers rather yeah. than, like, you know, sobbing and wailing or what, right? Like, right. you know. But She's he, an asshole. He goes to the memorial service. He sees the shitty boyfriend put his arm around the best friend and realizes the two of them are sleeping together. Sure. And she's like, yeah, but he, she had her, you know, Finchy. Yeah, who cares? I mean, it was whatever the, the character. She hated is. him. Yeah. But she says, like, I don't know who he was. She'd never told me his real name. And then somehow he just intuits. It yeah, like, What's the like, nickname? What's the nickname? There was some, it's like either maybe the mysteries are called by whatever name she used. I forget. It's like, you know. That's what it is. It's yeah. it, the, the, um. The character, the lead character in his mystery series has the same last name as the nickname. Right. That's it's whatever his name is. Nobby or whatever. And he, yeah, he goes to the yeah. box. He finds out who it is. So he essentially solves the murder there. Like 45 minutes into the movie. Right. Now, Robin Williams speaks his first lines 47 minutes into the movie. He appears on screen 58 minutes in. It's Which in two hour rules. Movie. Yeah, it's good. So rules. Right, he calls him at the hotel. And is saying like, oh yeah, it sure sucks up here. You know, hard to go to sleep. You put your clock in the drawer. I like that he put his clock in the drawer. Yeah. Uh, and then he calls him again before they've met. Right? He calls him twice before he calls they meet. Him twice. And and at the same time, Pacino's doing his little business where he gets the other gun and he shoots the dead dog. Right. And puts digs the bullet, the bullet out. Yeah. There's like a lot of the shoe leather on the forensics and the, <laughs> yes, bu- on like yes. the, the ballistics report. Yeah. He's like working hard to fabricate it. And the dog thing is. Introduced earlier. We see right. that. He's seen dog. this dead dog. Yeah. Uh, but I do like that. Yeah. The, the shoe leather, because like there's that thing where he says to the uh, mortician, like, did you recognize what kind of bullet and she is? It is. And she was just like, I don't know, a small one. Like we never see those here. You know, everyone just has rifles. Right. Yeah. It's like, because he's just So she chasing. doesn't know like the difference between a 38 and a 45 on site yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But like, it's, it's very complex, but it tracks perfectly. Like he's chasing during this shootout. His gun stops working or runs out of bullets. Right. Pulls another gun out. Right. That's what he kills his partner with. Yeah, his like backup. Gun. Then they yeah. pull that bullet out, which obviously is a special gun that only he has. Right, special so then cop gun. <laughs> later he sort of like backtracks. But he also finds this old revolver. He does find right, the right. other gun. Yes, so then he's yeah. trying to like just make it seem like this mystery gun that they found. It's good. It like all works yeah. perfectly. No, it's nice. Right. Shooting it into a dog and then cutting it out is a very strange way to go about getting a discharged <laughs> bullet, but he does it and and then he just has it in his pocket until the uh, final scene of the movie. What's well, this thing I love, the it's, counterpoint it's between good. the two characters is that like Pacino's such a good detective, he knows exactly what any other detective would look for. So he's able able to like cover his tracks and like fake it really well and be comprehensive. And Robin Williams because he's like this shitty middling crime novelist thinks that he has the same level of mind for this kind of thing. That's the best thing about it to me. Love it. Is that Robin Williams is coming into this being like, this is a cat and mouse, you know, his character. Right, he thinks he's got this one right, figured exactly. out. Right, exactly. Like, I understand cops. I know what cops are like because I saw a cop when I was a kid. 
and he was wearing a nice uniform. So now I love cops. And the thing that irks Pacino most is any time Robin Williams tries to imply that they're the same type of guy, right, whether right. it's because they have the same understanding He's of crime. He's trying to do, like, heat, because right? They like, both ah, people. we're not so different, you and I. Right, like, like, he's saying, like, it's finally the two greats have come head to head. <laughs> right. And Pacino keeps on going, like, you suck. <laughs> That's where the uh, line that you read earlier comes Yeah, the, the, you're, you're like a clogged clog toilet. toilet. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. He, like, On the ferry. The, so he like tries to you sort of get the sense that he's like planning on planting this gun that he now has like implicated right or something yeah, yeah he again he not only solves the crime he solves his own like how to cover know, it up cover yeah. up an hour into the movie but right then, so then there's the great chase where he Robin Williams comes home right when he's there yes and then he chases him and that's the log this log yeah. and it is River cool chase the first time you see Robin Williams face in the movie aside talk, from there, right. there's the photo that he finds and you right, got this right, clear right. shot of what just looks like Robin Williams and Hook or whatever it's like sure. him smiling in front of a river. And then there's the moment where Pacino's in the apartment. He hears the sound outside the door and then just cuts to the shot of Robin Williams knowing that Pacino's there. And it's like, I feel like the way this movie deals with Robin Williams, both the character and also casting that huge of an actor as the, the as killer the yeah. is like the opposite of what they do with Spacey and Seven. Where like Spacey famously said, like, don't want to be in the poster, sure, don't want to sure, be in the trailer. Sure. I, surprise, I just right. want an Oscar. If they know I'm in the movie, they're gonna know I'm the killer. So when he comes in an hour later, like the movie kind of like flips and you have no idea what's going yeah. on. And this movie, it's like the ad campaign was like Robin Williams versus Pacino. Yeah, for sure. His face is a all lot over of his it. dialogue is in the trailer. I you know that. that Rob Williams is gonna be the killer. There's yeah. no mystery there. No, not really. But the movie also doesn't, I mean, because it resolves doesn't, it like at the 55 right. minute mark, right. the movie doesn't claim there is, which is neat. And also, yeah, direct descendant of Seven. Yes. Like for the sure. voice on the phone. The, like, All of that. He's, he thinks he's that cat and mouse. Yeah. But that that's the function I love is that but by he's the not, time. He had a crush right. on this girl. Right. He's a pathetic kind of guy, like yeah. in a way. And he beat her up because she laughed at him because she, right, right, obviously knew he was a creep. But, but he, you know. The the thing I love is that by the time he enters into the movie, you're going like, wait, so what is Robin Williams going to do in this movie? If it's an hour in, they've solved the case, then like he has to have a substantial part. And it's that he has backed him into this corner, hitting on all of Pacino's insecurities. I mean, A, obviously being a witness to the murder, but also making Pacino question his own sense of morality by how frequently he keeps on going. You know, it's the same thing. You murder someone in a second, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, this distinction Pacino keeps making is that yeah, Pacino like, keeps saying, like, yeah, you know, you took ten minutes to kill her. Like, this was a real, like, thought through process right. for you. She's she's a lonely teenage girl. She reads these yeah. novels. She sees he lives in the town. She reaches out to him. He becomes a mentor figure to her. It's very clear that he was sexually attracted to her, but didn't act upon it. And then this one time he tries to kiss her, she laughs and right. he beats her to death. And he goes, it's like so bizarre how in one instance someone, you know, life, which is the most precious thing, is also so fragile. And Pacino keeps on saying, like, it took 10 minutes. Like, this wasn't some, like, spur-of-the-moment mistake. But Williams keeps on claiming, like, it was a mistake. I didn't know I was killing her. I wasn't trying to kill her. So why don't, like, bygones be bygones. We both killed people by accident. This is a great, right. this is on the boat, right? Yeah. This, yeah, is, like, this is their ferry It's like a three-minute shot of the two of them. Yep. It's got to be maybe even longer than And three. then it yeah, cuts to, yeah, because it starts out with, like, shot-reverse shot of them sitting on the bench. And then when yes. it goes to them on the pole, it's a three-minute shot. And the only time they cut away from it is once to show the water, like their POV of the boat. Right. It's really, and then like now the movie's about, now it's just like, we both killed these people and I have this tape recording of our conversation. Right. You're going to like help me get away with this or else I'm going to like. And William's point, which is good, Black is just like right. this boyfriend fucking sucks. You know, he's a shitty guy. He was beating her. 
Yeah, Williams' thing is like, who cares if we pin it on this guy because he deserves to go to jail anyway and he right. could kill someone. If you heard the things that I heard about him from her. That boat stuff is great. So that boat good. stuff is really like a simple killer, like midpoint of the movie, sort of like switching where the... Because at this point... It's a total pivot. You're like, yeah. I have no idea what the rest of this movie is going to be like. This guy's confessed. Right. The cop it's true. knows it all. Right. He's it, already planning evidence to like bust him and what like you just don't know what happens next. It's yeah, pretty neat. The and, rest of the movie yeah. is just his deterioration, right? Because you've got yes. that scene where he tries to plant the gun, where mm-hmm. he does plant the gun at Williams's house. Right. And then he goes to get it after their interrogation scene. Yes. And like that's him like melting down, right? Like right. where it's like, why are what are you even what's what's even the goal at this point? What are you trying to do? Uh and Williams is fucking incredible in this movie. It's a great performance. I think it's yeah. probably my favorite, like, dramatic performance of his. And it was in his serious year, to mm-hmm. give you, and we don't, we shouldn't go too deep, but, you know, he had done his 90s, like, you know, thing had run out so badly on him with, like, yeah. Patch Adams and Bicentennial Man. Right. I think people were so sick of, he closed like, out the decade. Saccharin bad. Williams, yeah. Jacob the Liar. Those right, are all, right. like, end of the century movies. And then, so he doesn't do anything except the voice and AI for three years. Uh-huh. And then this year he has one hour photo, Death to Smoochie and Insomnia. Yeah. And I've, I think One Hour Photo is an okay movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. Death of Smoochie is a masterpiece. I have never seen Death of Smoochie. It's a masterpiece. Uh, but, uh, like, I, One Hour Photo is really leading with, like, Robin Williams is a creep, right? Like, you yeah. know, it's like a very manicured, very, uh, sur- like, sort of strange Sterile, and unsettling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think a fundamental difference between that Williams performance, which I think is very good, and this one, is in that one they were like, what if you took away everything audiences like about Robin Williams? Sure, right, right. So right. he's this weird, creepy, unnerving husk of a man. Like and he looks weird. Shell. We dye his hair. We give him weird contacts. Like, he looks like a weirdo. This movie... Child molester glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This movie, Robin Williams uses all the Robin Williams yes, tricks. Like, sure. he's not doing the riffing, but the thing that I love so much about those scenes on his the boat... His voice, man. Like He's doing he's the voice. voice. They make it look like him. So I mean, he never did any animated... Yeah, he would have been so good in a cartoon. Yeah, I know. You're right. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Um, He's really sad looking in this movie. Very sad. But he also- he's so well cast. His character smiles a lot when he's talking, and they don't play it as this this Richard T. Joker thing where it's like sadistic (laughs) that he's smiling. They play it as like he thinks he's a lot more charming than he is. Right. Like this character thinks- But also you're in this tiny town where you can imagine how he would- inflate his opinion of himself this character thinks he's robin williams in dead poet society like he thinks he's this very genial kind of like kind and he keeps on reasserting that the relationship he had with the girl wasn't sexual he calls her he calls himself her mentor during right. the the interrogation scene where it's they do bring scene. him in is really if I, I thought it was kind of like the master where it's just yeah. like actually two great actors just across the desk from each other for minutes on end yeah and you're just like well this is kind of great and you're watching pacino because what i mean i think what Nolan knows that you want from that scene is like, okay, here's Pacino's going to deconstruct him. Like, this will yeah. be the scene where Pacino just uh, destroys this guy. We have guy. two great actors. The movie has told you exactly what's going on with both of them. And now here's a scene where both of them have to play people pretending to be different Right, people. and bo- they both have these very specific agendas. Like, Williams is trying to pin the crime on the teenager, on uh, yeah. what's his name? But it's and actors Pacino's playing trying characters to catch him acting. in a lie. Right. And, of course, halfway through, Williams is revealing, like, I know that you planted a gun in my house. You know, like, so there's that. But like I love, yeah. You see Pacino. He's like, well, what if I try this approach? He does that for five seconds. He's like, well, maybe not. Then he tries a new thing. Like, it's 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 it is a nice set piece. It's probably the best set piece of the movie. Yeah. In a weird, like in a sort of in terms of them matching wits. It's like exactly what the Joker Batman interrogation later is to me. Yeah. Uh, watching true. that, I was like, oh, yeah. this just feels like he figured out how to 
put two You're gigantic right. characters in a room and just be like, this is cinema. And it's yeah. the same thing. Guys yes. sitting it's here. the same thing in The Dark Knight where you're like, Batman's going to deal with this. And again, a minute in, he real like Batman's realizing like, shit, I don't actually have the way to figure this guy out. Like, I can't de deconstruct the Joker. It is pretty fascinating to me that like, you saying the, the thing about putting two guys in a room making it feel epic. It, it struck me while watching this. Like, that really is kind of what Nolan's best at. Is like, he's better at filming two people in a room than anyone else. He's good at it. Just in terms of casting the right actors, writing the right scenes, putting them in there, how to shoot it, you know, the, the using the environment, all of that. He makes conversations feel very ominous or exciting or unnerving or or like these epic philosophical debates or whatever they are. The detail I love in that scene is that on the boat, uh, Williams is pitching him like, so here's what I'm going to do in the interrogation. And Pacino's right. like, you're overwriting it. Like, yeah, you this don't is have to too do much. That. The cops are not going to buy this because it's too simple. Too you much need a little bit on of the sandwich. Right. Too so, much paprika. Right. So he says, like, I'll pin it on the boyfriend. And he goes, you don't have to mention the boyfriend. Leave the boyfriend out yeah, of this. Yeah, they'll, they'll get to the boyfriend. They're not going to ask you. Don't give him anything you don't have to. But then, then it works. And Pacino's, he's like Salieri. He's like, fuck, they actually do like the boyfriend. Williams, for, you know. Williams throws the boyfriend out there. He starts improvising. Mickey Cat's like, boyfriend you know that the gun that's definitely it and then you see williams get cocky like right. he's like well maybe we are at the same level maybe right. we're both masters of crime right and then it becomes this like dick measuring contest between williams and pacino where pacino starts really laying into the sexuality of the relationship yeah that's where he's right which like, for him pathetic he's playing his final he's card, just trying to embarrass like, him. yeah i'm let me embarrass you in front he, of these people he has that line on the boat where he says did you ever touch her and he goes no and he goes but now you wish you did huh right right, right. i like in the interrogation when he's like was she pretty He's like, she was 17. He's like, was she pretty? Yeah, yeah. She was She's pretty. pretty. Come on. Yeah. It's, it's right. I mean, it's almost in heat when he's like, big ass, but right. it's not, you know, I mean. And you see Swank's kind of watching the scene being like, this feels like yeah, I know, that's a little off Swank's definitely yeah. like, right, this is loaded in a way I <laughs> yeah. don't understand. Whereas Nikki Cat's yeah. like, hey, the teenager, you mentioned the teenager. Let's go get the teenager. Pacino, Hillary Swank leans over to Nikki Cat and goes like, doesn't this kind of feel like the interrogation scene from Dark Knight? <laughs> What's going on here? This, like, from this part up through... This movie's through, set in 2012, yeah, 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 yeah. This part up through where she sort of pieces it together, which right. is pretty soon thereafter. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not much of the movie She's left. Th this scene sets her home to review her book report on Exactly. Him. But, like, this is where I'm sort of, like, when you finally go into her house or where, maybe that's her office, it's <laughs> neat that the movie doesn't give her an internal life. No. Because, like, she doesn't need one, but you also, I mean, it, it could benefit from her having, like... A husband and a kid, or sure. like, yeah. or yeah. the opposite of that, some depressing apartment that she never lives in. But her sort of like function in the movie becomes very clear at this point. Yeah, where it like it wouldn't have mattered if she had a husband. What matters is that like she just sort of sits back and pieces this together. Right. She is and the sort of moral force in the like, movie. There's this question that gets brought up about this gun that sets her off, which I thought was like a good callback to the business with the dog and the bullet. Yeah. And, and you I, realize that, right. like... And there's that scene where she's arranging her coworkers to try and exactly restage the crime scene. Yeah. They're all like, God, why do we have to do that? And she's like, no, on your she side. She also earlier, not having been mentioned yet, was like, hey, I looked at like the ballistics of that. Yeah, what you're talking about where they're putting right. everyone on the ground. And it makes no sense She's like, the here. shot came yeah. from that direction. This doesn't really work. And he's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I guess I misremembered. Um, yeah, there's only two more scenes yeah. that we need to talk about. I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one is the thing where Pacino finally is like, you know what? I need to talk to Mark Tierney and like just lay out my 
my immoral action as a police officer. You know, like the thing I'm in trouble for. Because at this point, she's been good, but you're like, why cast more tyranny in this sure, role? Sure, sure. There's that opening scene at the hotel when she kind of makes a nice impression. Then there's, there's the next scenes, day back yeah. when she kind of says she that feels thing bad. about, it's weird he was standing he here was 24 standing hours there. ago. And Pacino's like, he liked you. Yeah, I hope I was <laughs> nice to him. Right. And then this scene where he's freaking out. And taping seat cushions. To right, the right, window. right. And she this comes scene in was and she's very like, much the trailer. I remember yes, this scene yes. being in the trailer quite a bit. Yes. yes. Uh, so, and he talks to her about, right, like I framed a guy I knew was guilty. Hey, I got to complain about too much noise. And he's and he like, goes, Los Angeles, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody says it's too light in here. And she goes, It's really dark in right, here. Right. And she turns on the light. That's a nice little trick. Love it. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, Ah. Like, right. Remember um, that, Ben? He's looking at me. Yeah, he remembers. But he gives the speech that's that's the opening credit sequence, those close-up macro shots of the blood on the Which fabric, we've been which, seeing the whole time, right. that shot of the blood spreading on the on the cuff. Extreme insert shots were very popular at this point in time. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's another seven technique. I feel like seven does a seven lot of that. Seven pretty much yeah, invented right. that. But Requiem he, for a Dream, yeah, I yes. think, perfected the art form. But he does it a lot in Memento. That thing Correct. where he's having the memories of her, his wife's uh, attack is you know, presented as those little flashes at first. Oh, There's a moment I love in this when he's on the phone with Hap's wife. Do you like my representation of the it's flashes, great. by the uh, way? For the listener, David is uh, flashing his fingers. <laughs> I, dare, my I, I dare say that the rise in those flash blips came from switching editing from editing flat on a steam back oh, yeah. editing and like people were like we can just put in a three frame shot much right, easier right, to just right. copy paste a thing it's like oh right. wow really three frames we yeah, should do that all the time yeah exactly uh, there's that moment when he's on the phone with Hap's wife and she said like did he suffer and, and there's the like, quick the, three second yeah. flash of Hap in his arms like crying with the blood pouring oh, out and of his Hap mouth. by the way I wrote down the scar on his face looks exactly like the Joker's scar Ooh, when Hap is lying there in the ground it's only yeah. on one side Right. I don't know if that's where he's meant to have been shot or he scratched his yeah. face while running, but it is a scar from his mouth almost all the way to his ear. So maybe we do know how you got those scars. Why so serious? Richard T. Joker. <laughs> this is a callback to our following episode, Alec. Uh, all right. It's not a callback. I'm just referencing a character that's yes, in one Richard of these T. movies. Joker. Richard T. Joker. Uh, so, and then there is the final chase. I guess. Not even chase. No, it is. It, there's well, a bit then, of a well, chase. Is, the confession, the Pacino confession to Murr Tierney. Well, right. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, sure. is we weren't that done with that. He, he, this he man framed a guy. Who, who was fucking and then murdered a small child yeah, brutally. Yeah, it's like some horrible story where he right. hung it's the child awful. and hung, you know, the hanging didn't even work and he, he died of shock. He knew the guy was guilty, but right. the case didn't, they didn't find the piece so of he, evidence they then, needed. He tampered with the evidence. He put the blood on it. Lady Macbeth sort of stain on his cuff that he can't get out. Got a reference to Scotland, PA? That's or what it was. it was. It was. Lady, this is Lady in the PA Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but more Tierney kind of says, like, well, I'm no one to judge. The line about Alaska, you know, right, I clearly right, right. ran away. And that's the thing, right? Like, he's in purgatory. But it's and sort she's of like, I get it. Look, it's I'm retroactively, hotel manager purgatory. Retroactively, it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about earlier. Like, right. yes. had yeah. he testified, this guy who's definitely guilty would have been set free. Right. Pacino's been living with that. I guess that sort of pays off the conversation when they first arrive. Yeah, because when, when he says that the name of whoever this guy is, he's like, what about that guy? Yeah. And Donovan's like, no, he won't get out. Don't worry about it. And Pacino like, knows that he will. Well, it gets into a little bit of but I think overlap. The, with- I think the idea is that Donovan doesn't know that Pacino Correct. did this, but Pacino just knows if they dig, they'll figure it out. I, I For me, it's like a, it's much like a David Dobkin's The Judge. And that, oh, yeah, great, great. You know, the titular judge's big concern is that if people know that he's senile, then all, right. his, cases all his cases will be reviewed. Will be, yeah. Pacino cares a lot about legacy because he doesn't seem to have a home life. Yeah. His thing is that he's a great cop and that people look up to him. He knows that this case is the one that's going to crumble. 
But the big fear, and this is the thing that William says to him, is like if they know you shot your partner, all your guys are going to be let out. Yeah, no, for sure. And he also, much like the judge, fears that he will poop his pants in a bathtub. Correct. It's true. I mean, look, who has two thumbs and poops himself in a bathtub? <laughs> I'm pointing to Robert Duvall right now. <laughs> um, the final set piece is, is Hillary Swank going to Robin Williams's cabin. Correct. Now, why does he want her? Is it just because he, he notices her. that? But he notices that she's seen the dress. Is that why he hits her? Correct. Is that that's what it but is? But he like right? calls her and invites her. Yeah, because he's going to give her the letters that oh, right. the murder victim sent him. Right, which right, are right. like printed right. on Rainbow Station. Like, yeah, right. they're on like Lisa Frank Stationery. Yeah. Uh, but then she sees the girl's dress, which he's kept because he's a creep, a creep of zoid. Did I misread this? The implication that he wrote the letters to kind of help up his case? Because I don't know. I, I didn't put that together. It, seemed, it, seemed, it seems like there's something off about the letters. Yeah, right. right. With the letters, are like, I just hate my boyfriend so much. He has a gun. Like, there's that moment in the interrogation where he brings up the letters that say all these incriminating sort of things towards the boyfriend. Right. And and she goes like, Do you have those letters? Or Pacino goes, Do you have those letters? And he kind of like stares him down and goes, Yes, I do. Right. Which feels like okay. okay. Here's this hack writer. He's gonna I get it. I buy get some it. Lisa yeah. Frank stationery and yeah you know, practice is cursive or whatever. Right. Then this final part is like 90% silence of the lambs feeling. It gets it very silence. It um, yeah. But it's also kind of not in doubt. Like, you know, yes, what's going to happen, which is they're going to shoot each other, which but is also what, he's getting, Pacino's driving and he's like falling. Like this is the, like he's so yeah, tired. He swerves off so the road. Fucking tired. He's beaten Williams's. Cause there's been a scene before where he says to Robin Williams, like, I'm going to just confess, like, fuck all of this. So they shoot each other. Robin Williams' death is, is phenomenal. The, the tip into the water. And then the well, like, if, at first there's that kind of badass moment where like, you know, Swank doesn't have her gun anymore. Pacino checks. He's like, I got seven rounds. Make him count. Yeah. Yeah. And he realizes the floorboards are really unstable. Right, he goes down. And so through. he kicks through and he treks through the water to yeah. sneak attack Robin Williams. They shoot each other at the same time. Robin Williams is like stunned because oh he has that moment where he goes wild card. He's yeah, just right. saying this he thing. Saying, wild wild card. card. Like it's some fucking screenwriting yeah, trick. Yeah. You know, yeah, oh that's I got what the he tape recorder. You didn't yeah. think about this. I got the hidden gun. I'm gonna get the upper hand on you. And right when he's saying wild card, Pacino shoots him. I mean, the isn't the idea basically like on a good day, Pacino would have this guy signed, sealed, and delivered, no, no problem. Question. But he's just tired. So he's like 40%. And that's why Robin Williams also, can get a couple over on and him. And also this guy's making him doubt himself. Yeah, for It's sure. a movie about right, he confidence. Feels, he, and also he killed, right, There's a crisis sure. of confidence. He here. killed Hap, so he's right. He's, he has a moral crisis as well as a, a tiredness crisis. And what he's saying to more tyranny in that scene about the, the tampered uh, evidence is like, I just had a feeling someday it was going to catch up with me. This movie would be hacky and bad with a different yeah. director. There's no question. Yeah, I like, will, well, I, one thing I wrote down, I just wrote down, apropos of nothing, right? Please. I just wrote down Bone Collector. <laughs> From <laughs> exactly. this like this era of like yes, sir. serial killer dramas that were like 30 to $50 million yeah, movies. Yeah, the seven ripoffs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. this is almost 10 years after, se coming up on a decade of seven. Right. Younger because, female protege. Yeah, with yeah. like uh, Kiss the Girls or Along uh, Came a Spider yeah. as well. Take, those taking movies. lives. Taking yes. lives. Yes. There's just like a huge yeah. amount. And taking lives. I wrote yeah, Bone Collector that. and Taking Lives. Yeah. I just wrote down with no commentary. <laughs> but um, there's just like a lot. This kind of movie was very easy. And everyone in the marketing said the best thriller of its kind since Seven or Silence of the Lambs. Right. Yeah. Right, right, and right. then within five years, this has just migrated to television. It's true. I mean, that's the thing. It, that's And that's where it will stay for a while. And yeah, with anyone other than him, this could have been 
you know, Another along, along came a spider. Because I, I don't think the screenplay is fantastic. At, like, I don't think it's terrible or anything. But it's not like the dialogue, like, really crackles. Like, it's like, it's all fine. Although, I mean, and, and who knows how much of this was in the script or how much of this was added by Nolan in the uncredited rewrite. But um, the the original has a lot less of these sort of character connections. Yeah. These sort of thematic concerns. There isn't the investigation in the original Insomnia. There's not the same sense of uh-huh. a past history catching up with him. Mm-hmm. It really is just the fact that he killed his partner by accident. Sure. And the relationship is different. That guy's older. He's not as disgraced. The Hillary Swank character isn't someone who idolizes him. She's just a cop working a case. And this movie really kind of tightens everything and makes everything really kind of on theme. Yeah, I like at the end where she sort of put together this thing about his extra gun. Yeah. She gives him a hug to see if he always if he still has it. Right. Feels the gun. Yes, that's right. And she sort of happens. knows that he did it. And then And right, when he's dying. That's she's, already happened when they go to Williams' house. Right. When, yeah. when he's dying, she's saying, like, look, I get it. Like, you you didn't mean to do it. Like right. she's she has put it all together and he's like, just let it I'm gonna stand. throw it away. And he's like, Don't don't do he that. Says, don't it's a bad lose, idea. Don't, don't lose, lose your way. Your way. That's and I really then he like. doesn't say tired, baby tired. That's what he says in Carlito's way. He says, let me sleep, I let think. Sleep. Right, yeah. But it also, like, it just works. You just feel, you're like, yeah, Jesus, go to sleep, man. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah. also a great end of story, end of movie yep. movie. Yeah, just like, directed by Chris I was Nolan. so nervous that when that scene faded out that it was going to be, like, her and Nikki Cat being, right, right, right. you know, like, oh, whatever happened with that. And it's just, it's like a great thing that it just ends and then it ends. And in the original, uh, he doesn't die. Uh, oh, really? The Hillary Swank character kind of calls his bluff uh-huh. and lets him get away with it, and he drives away. Interesting. Uh, and I, it, I like this ending better. Especially with the whole movie where he's like trying to he's fucking tired. go to sleep. It's like Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Let him sleep. Yeah, you promise one thing the whole time. All right, let's check play, off Snap. Let's play the box office game. Ben, ben has something oh, he wants to ahead. say. It's uh, a good wet death. <laughs> Wet movie, wet movie. It is. Indeed. It's very wet, I and mean, I like wet movies. But I would say this is a, up there as a wet death. Rum Williams gets shot and then takes a bath. Takes a little swim. <laughs> I think that death is really effective. It's where good. He holds on it for a really long time. Well. That's like yeah. a very like he goes under and then he floats up yeah. a little bit. It's yeah, great. you're getting floating. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's got all the things I like, Benny. Good boy. Now play the box office Wait, game. Before you okay. do, can I just read a few? Oh, please. I, I, I love Alex, no, right By ahead. the way, I love this game, and I'm excited. It's a, a good week. other notes that are noted. One is that um, this movie, I think, is a great case for helicopter shots being far superior to drone shots. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. The endless amount of shots of the aerial views of this place are really beautiful, mm-hmm. and obviously drone shots would just look cheap and flimsy in they a way would. that this movie doesn't. And big thing, Nolan and Fister like really committed to on this movie, they don't do second unit on anything. Oh, really? So any sort of establishing shots, they shot that themselves. And you can tell that there's like meaning behind those helicopter shots. Like they're not just like getting overhead. Yeah, they're really nice and elegant. Uh, Small point. Two, as I mentioned earlier, I like that this kind of parallel to Jackie Brown is like you have this thing that's a breakout in one way or another. And then you do the only, I mean, obviously Batman's pre-existing, but those are original stories like, then you do the like remake or adaptation of a crime yeah. movie. It's too. an interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting thing as opposed to the fountain where you're like, it's all me. Like, right, right. The Here's other my version, brain on the page. The other version yeah. of that is like after Pulp Fiction is like four and a half hour long samurai movie. 
Instead, right. it's, it's, yeah. instead right. it's like would be uh, him doing Kill Bill right away. Yeah, instead it's like yeah. from the writer of Get Shorty comes my next movie. Yeah, it's right. also like a very kind of auteurist thing to do, where you like okay, start out with your fully original like thing. Yeah, your and then, smaller thing. Right, yeah. and then you're like, let me take someone else's material. Let me flex my muscles. Let me show, show you, you what how much my style is like built into my veins. And work with some legends. Like, right. let me get in some big actors. Right. Like, no, yeah. it's not going to be their greatest performances yeah. ever, but it's going to be a memorable little yeah. like. It's like a solid decision that doesn't exist anymore because movies like this right like now after memento he would get the job directing a pilot of whatever this version is now yeah right right. he would do that he'd knock that out and then he'd go make batman or whatever but back in 97 except it wouldn't be batman now it would be like you know the atom or whatever because they'd be like digging through like what do we got you know like he'd be making the lobo movie (laughs) exactly uh in 97 you could go throw me an elmore leonard right they'd throw you a paperback I, i like the trajectory of this in the career the other thing, it'd be nice if everyone could do an Elmore Leonard. It'd be great. Everyone oh, should well, do one Elmore Leonard. There's, so there's an Elmore Leonard series, an anthology a couple years ago, and there's some dreadful movies in it. That's true. So I think that ran its I think that ran its course. Yeah. Circa Be Cool. Yeah. Or Be yeah. Cool. But uh the big bounce in Be Cool really killed him. Oh yeah, the oh, big yeah. bounce. But the other real I mean, we haven't talked about Hillary Swank, but like what a strange crazy trajectory. Like she's like 32 in this movie. And not, her, no, no, she's 32 even, when she wins her second Oscar. She's 28 in this movie. And has I an looked Oscar. it up because she wins Boys Don't Cry 25. That's right. She's 28. She was so born by in 74. the time she's like 32, she has two Oscars. This movie's like a great sort of like step away from that where it's like in a supporting cast, you get to work with Pacino. And then like a year later, two years later, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, just, yeah, anyway, Boys Don't la- Cry. the only thing I did look up last night was I was like, what is the deal with Hillary Swank's complete career? Yeah, because this movie raises a lot of questions because she's so interesting and good all the time. Yeah, she is. And then like just has not done a lot. They didn't know how to use her in between the two Oscars. I mean, it was this weird like there's a fair of the necklace where it was like fair of the necklace, which is them trying to cast her as more of a traditional romantic lead in like a costume drama that flops. It's a bad movie. She's in the gift, but that's a very small role. It's a small role. Good movie, I think. Yeah, I like the gift. The gift's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, And then after this, she does the core, which is I guess like, hey, well, let's put you in a big blockbuster. Right. That's a terrible movie. I mean, that's that's not any favors. Uh, And then after that, Million Dollar Baby. So. She wins, but I really think that win but was like, so but, bad. But, but for she's her like career. thirty-two or thirty, not even thirty-three now, right? right. She's like uh, she was thirty-two when she yeah, won she the is, second one. Yeah, right. Yeah, because uh, she's now in her forties. But um, she got stuck now, in like yeah. another land because she's a very good actress, but she's like not a movie star. Like there's not like when no. they tried to put her in blockbusters or romantic comedies, there wasn't like a personality there that kind of translated across it. Yeah, she's a femme fatale in The Black Dahlia. Which doesn't fit. She's, she's an like inspirational non-ingenue. teacher. She's not right. really. She's an inspirational teacher in Freedom Writers, which was sort of like not a bad idea, but I think the moment had passed for yeah. those kinds of movies. And it's a bad movie. I mean, she gets a lot of bad scripts. I mean, she's in Amelia, which is this just, have either of you seen Mira no. Nair's Amelia? No. It's, it's a horrendous movie. I remember like, everyone being like, oh, here comes her third I know, Oscar. It's, it's nobody's, I don't know whose fault that movie was. It's a horribly written movie, probably. Yeah. Is the, but, it, but I guess that's the kind of role that you would expect, like, an actor of her stature to be angling for. That but just, after that, there's, like, there's nothing, really. Nothing. I mean, she did no, Conviction. No, Conviction, and then she's in, like, nothing. She's in New Year's Eve, and she's in The Homesman, which she's excellent in, and yeah. it's an excellent little movie, the Tommy Lee Jones movie. But obviously that goes nowhere. Now, this year she's in Logan Lucky. I don't oh, know how right. big her role is, but I'm excited she for She looks that. really good in that, though. And then next year, she's got a TV show coming. I was going to say, I mean, she seems like the, the person who's primed to have a TV show. It's weird to have Trust. someone who has two Oscars and is 40 be the, be perfect for a TV show. I know. 
It's very bizarre. But also like those kinds, like all of her kinds of movies are what don't get made. Like the yeah. kinds of movies yes. that elevate someone who's like very classically pretty in a way and also right. like very classically tough in like a w womanly way. Like yeah. whatever that character needs doesn't, like she would just be on like True Detective now. She's she's very contradictory and the person she's kind of closest to is like Jodie Foster but Jodie Foster fit into a more typical movie star mode because she found her sort of footing in genre work and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it felt like she had a lot more kind of creative, like, say in her I know, stuff. I know, I know, Ben. I know. Okay, all right. Sorry, all right. I couldn't, let the, the box yeah. I couldn't let the Hillary Swain confusion go without yeah. being She's there. great in this movie. I think it's the best of her non-Oscar winning She's good. It's, good. it's yeah. just, it is an example of the kind of slightly undercooked roles they tr handed her sometimes. But sure. she's very good in the movie. But I want to play the box Let's office game. As we noted, this film came out Memorial Day weekend, right. 2002, May 24th. Yeah. So it was a four-day weekend. Uh, and it opened number three to $26 million on a $46 million budget. It makes 67 domestic, 113 worldwide. Which so would be like $100 million today. It would be. I don't know about that. Let's see. Let's see. You're usually good at I that. I think 67, 15 years ago would be like $100. $102 million. There we go. He's so good at that. It's weird. I uh, spent a lot of time on this website. What was the number one movie at the box office Memorial Day weekend 2002? It has been out. It's in its second week. It would be Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, right? There you go. Yeah. Which has dropped only 25%. Still the lowest grossing of all the Star Wars movies. But it's now made $201 million. Okay. Number two is Spider-Man. See? In terms of my love of box office game... I was disappointed when I saw when this movie came out because I knew that those two movies were just still, still just around. running the Spider-Man yeah. had changed the game. You know, we were all hyped for Star Wars and then Spider-Man had come two weeks before it and had that $114 million opening weekend. The and store. everyone was like, shit. This was yeah. also the end of my senior year of high school and one of the happiest times of my life. Oh, that, that's God. great to know. I, mean, I was 16. I saw it in theaters. Did you see it in theaters? Uh, Insomnia? Yeah. I think I did. I think I right. saw it a couple years later on DVD, but this was also one of the happiest times of my life, I, I would say. I was so glad to hear it. Life was so good. It felt really I was good in 2002. Fine. Like I was about to graduate. Yeah. Got out of my, my in got, the shadow of 9/11. Got to skip. Yeah, 9/11 was in the past. We were moving forward George as a country. Bush's president. They were finally releasing collateral damage and the yeah. remake of Big Trouble for the, right. the second Big Trouble reference today. We're gearing up for war in Iraq. Yeah. Great time. Great time. No, no, no was yeah, I, I know. Uh, yeah. uh, and then Insomnia is number three. Uh, number four. Okay. You got any idea? It's another new movie. The rest of the movies are new movies. Oh, interesting. Three new releases. Okay. Number four. Is it live action or animated? Animated. From 2002? Correct. Uh, Spirit Styling the Cimmerian? Cimmerian, I believe. Okay. Yes. I've never known how to pronounce that. Yeah. The horse movie with Matt Damon. A stallion, a Cimmerian of the spirit? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Cimmerian. Spirit of the Stallion. Cool. We, the joke is you can rearrange it in any order. Those I believe so we've mean. done that joke yeah, on this podcast yeah. before. A uh, Kelly Asbury joint. Oh yes, the yeah. great Kelly Asbury. Number five, okay, is a, is like an R-rated, tough, hard-hitting drama, but it's also a revenge movie. It's it's a terrible movie uh, that I saw in theaters. Anyone? I what's what's like? A, it's a revenge movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it is it led by a star? Is it like yeah, a star led by vehicle? a star? And its title is like. The end of the tagline. Oh, enough. Enough. Interesting. Enough. The J Lo joint. Enough. Uh, is that a Michael Apted? Yes, I Michael, Apted, Michael Apted. Which made forty million domestic. It was kind of the tail end of J Lo, I think. 
as a star of like because uh, she made like a few dramas in a row because the cell yes. is before but then. But then Made in Manhattan comes out later that year Made and is Manhattan huge. And is then everyone's no like, drama. Wait, we maybe we undervalued her and then and then and then Geely is the next yeah, year. Right. But no, yeah, because it had been the cell. Angel Eyes and Enough come out, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're all flops. What's, yeah. the, what's the rest of uh, what else is out there? We when got it? About a Boy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a movie I thought was very overrated living in Britain, but was like one of those British hits sure. that Britain was very proud that had yeah. done so well. It gets Oscar nominations My and stuff. What do you guys movie. think of About a Boy? We watched it a couple years ago. I thought it was pretty good. I like it a lot. I, it held yeah. up pretty well for me. Fine. All the performances in it are really good. I Tony Collette's seen. amazing in that movie. I haven't. Yeah, she's she's usually good. When's, yeah. when's Tony Collette bad? Never. Uh, unfaithful. Uh, mm. These kinds of movies that don't, you know, yeah. like, that's a sex thriller. These are like, all summer movies. And they're summer movies. It's so crazy. A lot of, like, adult dramas in the top ten. Uh, yeah. And it's also crazy to think that Diane Lane gets an Oscar nomination off of Faithful, which had come out in fucking April or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, that's, pretty much. Uh, pretty crazy and I wanted to say Robin Williams should have gotten an Oscar nomination 100%. and like I think that One Hour Photo kind, kind of fucked diluted it up for him it. yeah uh, The New Guy it's a DJ Qualls oh, comedy wow. do not remember yes. it one of those yeah. DJ Qualls vehicles a zero will rise that was the tagline yes do you remember this movie? Yeah, ever so vaguely I, I mean guess just, it's just, just as a sort of American byproduct of the, of the Qualls dynasty <laughs> Because Road Trip yeah. is 2000, is right, that right? Then they made White Qual. <laughs> yeah, White Qual. The uh, prequel to White Qual. of the Wild. Um, that was, you don't uh, really need to qualify DJ Qual's You don't need white. to qualify it? Well, well done. <laughs> Unqualified. Uh, Changing Lanes. That's mm, another yeah. in the summer. A Roger Michelle picture. It's a, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. I I was, uh, when I was at NYU, I took a producing class from... The guy who was either like the line producer or the production coordinator of that movie. Uh-huh. And every week the class was just him telling stories about changing lanes and how the movie got made and how budgets on movies like that happened. Like good New York movie. It made 66 mil, you know, yeah. solid. No one remembers that movie exists. I saw it with my mom. I saw it in theaters. We had a nice time. Number 10, The Scorpion King. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, back in the news. Back in the, yeah, exactly. Back in the, He's very back. topical. Would have been great if the mummy had ended, the new mummy had ended with the Scorpion King being back. That was the actual oh reveal. Um, my Big Fat Greek Wedding is is just starting its run. Okay. It's it's in number 11. It's been out for six weeks. It's only made $7 million. Oh, so it'll probably end up around 10 or 12. Right? Yeah, so it's, it's sort of spinning up its wheels, you <laughs> yeah. know? Uh, the Rookie, which was another, like, word-of-mouth hit from that year. Yeah, yeah. Itu Mama Tambien is still hanging around. This is like grown-up movies. Monsters, Inc. is in its 30th week at the yeah, box office. grown-up movies. Yeah. Good, smart movies for grown-ups, like Monsters, Murder Inc. by Numbers, which is another... Uh, oh, yeah. Another Did of I those. say that? Or uh, no, you said Taking, taking Lives, but Murder Collector. by Numbers is totally another one of those. That's Barbara Schroeder. That's what, Barbara like, Schroeder right. and Michael Pitt, yeah, isn't it? Right, and Ryan it's sort of like another Ryan rope because right. Gosling right, right, and Bullock right. dated for a while off of that movie. Weird. Uh, yeah, uh, some other new movies: Thirteen Conversations About One Thing, mm-hmm. Roman Coppola's CQ. That was Roman Coppola, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the box office Fascinating. game, guys. Yeah, Fascinating. different time, different time. <sighs> All right. Uh, well, that's oh, It's a movie I love. Uh, and it's like an interesting, uh, you know, kind of like uh, sliding doors. Like, imagine if you just kept making movies like this for the rest of his career. I mean, that's like the fun thing with directors, where it's just like, imagine if this is what, like, he yeah. at this point he could have made more. He could have just been 
like a Fincher who's and just it like a great career. Yes. I yeah. do like these genre movies. I elevate them. I have fun. Right. I love. I'm a super. I only do R-rated movies. I love like yeah. technical craft of filmmaking, and I right. just kind of like look at whatever scripts I can, and I do my own. But like, yeah. and it's that, about partnerships with actors. Yeah. First and, foremost. and that just went away for Nolan, and then he became. Yeah. You know, a, an empire unto himself. Does he seem like a happy man when you met he him? He seems like, happy. He seems like satisfied. With I mean, he's, he's someone who, as a artist and a film professional, can like literally change the way the world in front of him is by snapping his fingers. Which is the yeah. Which I think would like like how many other filmmakers get like a blank check for the way their movies are distributed? Yeah, yeah, it's like awesome. Two, like it's just yeah. him and Tarantino and yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson that are like. I think my movie should come out this way, and everyone's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you say so." I mean, everyone will everyone will be into that. If now. you think we should release it a few days early so that people who live near a thirty-five millimeter projector can see your movie, that sounds like a great idea. Right. And his movies make so much fucking money. Do like think, Tarantino is like hit and miss. Paul Thomas Anderson's always been like his niche audience, right. but like Nolan has the same level. Do you think Dunkirk's going to make money? I do. Yes, I think so too. I think people are ready for a war movie. If it's good, like it's going to be huge. Yeah. And even if it's only okay, it'll still do way... Yeah, because the fact that Interstellar yeah. made the amount that it did is, right. is pretty nuts when you watch Interstellar. Right. Um, but, uh, Dunkirk yeah. is a cool movie to be releasing in July. Like it That's is. what you're talking We're about. Saying it's ballsy. It's, it's like, like Saving Private Ryan, Ryan, which came out in July. It's the last time that there's been something like that. I feel like Probably. it could easily make about that much money. Yeah. If it's good, if I think good. it will. Yeah. Uh, we will see. We'll know by the time we get to Dunkirk, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, thank you for being thank here. Thank you guys so, so much. It's such an honor. Will you come back? I've, nothing would make guess. me happier. Good guess, right? Great guess. Hell of a guess. It was so exciting. Stepping uh, through the looking glass here. But, oh, oh also, I didn't make any of my 30 Days of Night references that I wanted to make as oh, a prequel. fuck. I was going to do that too. As a prequel or sequel to this movie. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Right. Oh. <laughs> Glad I remember that. Griffin's really bummed. I, would, I had a bunch of them locked and loaded. <laughs> Because we'll they, do it now, like one of those YouTube videos of like where the fireworks all go off at the same time by mistake. But also do them and it just slowly fades out. Yeah, right. They do. It could they, be your end finally. They do in the original. There's like, he's like, is it light here all the time? Uh, to his partner, Stalin Sargard says like, is it day here all the time? And they go, no, in the winters, it's night all the time. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. Hey. Wait a second. David Slade. Um, well, thank you so much for being thank on you here. Guys, People really. should watch all so of your exciting. movies. I'm excited to see Golden Exits when it comes Very out. Very excited to see Golden Exits. When can I see it? Uh, TBD. Yeah. I it's mean, in the works. You live in New York. It's playing at BAM next week. Well, oh, yeah, really? Right, right. Cinema Fest, right? This yeah. will have, okay. you know, that won't help anyone listening. Sure. Probably will have aired right after. This yeah. will come out a week after that happens, yeah, that I think. Well, exciting. it was fun. It was a fun screening. <laughs> Good crowd? <laughs> Great crowd. Hometown. <laughs> yeah. Rooting for you. Um, but yeah, all your movies are pretty available on, yeah. on the online great streaming movies. platforms. All, so yeah, all guys. All the, you have a great filmography. iTunes and Amazon, I suppose. Uh, so, someday, someday there'll be people doing a podcast miniseries on, on the films of Alex Russell. Oh, we should all be so lucky. Alex Post- We should all be so lucky as to live in a world where filmmakers in my generation will ever get these opportunities. Yeah, that's, that's the question. <laughs> Alpod Ross Paircast. Yeah, know. that'll be the name of the miniseries. It. Our children will host it, David. Yeah, that's right. David and Griffin yeah. Jr. And Ben's dog will produce it. <laughs> or, or you'll just be Futurama heads. That's yeah, yeah, we'll be hits in a jar. Very all possible. Right, let's wrap it. Okay. Griff. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please mm-hmm. remember to rate, review, subscribe. Check out reddit.blinkies.com for some real nerdy shit that people are doing Seriously. on a weekly basis. Um, big thanks to Ange for Gudo for running our social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Lane course Montgomery. Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for artwork Lane Montgomery for the theme song uh, and as always oh god these uh, vampires here 
It's uh, Giselle. What? It's a knight here all the time. Uh, gotta fight these uh, vampires. 